Good morning, class. Welcome to Art Eater Podcast number 76. Uh, today, we got a real chill uh, podcast for you. Uh, we're going to be talking about the comics that we're reading. Just, you know, whatever comics we're, we're reading right now. Um, and that's it. <laughs> it's not, 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 too, not, not a very complex uh, concept, right? Um, uh, before we this, get into it, let's do This will be our quick... heaviest topic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Manga we're casually reading. Yeah. Um, let's just do a real quick roll call. Uh, let everyone know who's here today. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm your host, Richmond, um, one of the founders of Art Eater. Uh, you know, my background is in art uh, and animation and um, comics, actually. I used to want to be a comics artist uh, when I was younger. And I, I did take some comics classes in, in, in college. Um, so, you know, I've drawn like some comics before. Um, and I love comics. It's just wonderful medium just just one of my first loves uh is you know comics are part of the reason i love drawing so much like i've been reading comics as long as i can remember so uh yeah really happy to be talking about comics today uh sean hello i'm sean i'm usually here i edit the podcast um my ux director been in games for a bit used to work with richmond back in the day on games then I worked in startups, then I worked at Blizzard, now I'm at NZXT, which is a PC gaming uh, company, but we make like hardware and PCs and stuff like that. And uh, now I just play games and talk about games rather than working on games. <laughs> nice. So I'm Thomas uh, from France, and uh, as Richmond, my background is in art too. I have a degree in art. In, uh, in art. I'm a web developer, and uh, before being a web developer, I was actually a comic book seller in France. So you can imagine I know a bit about comics, even if I'm a bit outdated in the by modern uh, to modern standards, French standards actually. But yeah, I'm very happy to be to talk about comics. Like that, 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 that's so complicated. There's so many French comics I would love to talk about to you, all of you. But the chances they are edited in front uh, outside of France is very slim, and you oh, know it's yeah. a it's an audio medium that we are using, so it's not the best. Maybe maybe uh, maybe I'll motivate myself and do a series uh, on the website one day where I just drop random pictures of cool comics or something like that. But yeah, very happy to be there to, to talk about what I've read recently, and uh, that's going to be cool. I'm very happy. <laughs> Hey, uh, what's up, everybody? It's Adam. Pleased to be once again. It's your favorite game, level designer. It's favorite pixel art. It's Taekwondo fighter, and it's always great to be back here with the crew. I'm just so happy to be chatting about comics. I'm happy to be chatting. I'm happy to be here chatting about different forms of art, but especially different areas of like manga and comic books that I've fallen in love with since I've been like little. Like Richmond, actually, I used to want to be a comic a comic book artist too. And yeah, just like, this is a really cool topic, and I'm just really, really happy that we're able to get into this conversation today. So, you know, let's uh, let's turn the page. And let's hop right in. Let's go. Oh, All right. Good. All right. What what yeah, what, so what are you guys reading? What's what's everyone reading right now? I think Thomas wants to oh. go first. So you, you go first. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so, so I I've read so many things recently. I'm very happy because I've managed to uh, you know reduce my workload and uh, up uh, start rereading a lot of comics recently, and uh, I had a lot of them uh, stacked, and um, among them. I read The Bomb by, uh, so it's a, I think it's a French 
comic by Alcant, Bollet and Rodier and it's basically a single huge volume that goes, let me check, something like uh, 500 pages, <laughs> so that's gigantic. And that's basically the project Manhattan, from the start of the project Manhattan to the bomb on Hiroshima, like the whole story. I imagine the, the Chernobyl, you know, HBO miniseries as a comic, and that's mm. basically it. Some simplification, some stuff that is grouped, you know, for clarity and uh, understanding. Some uh, group of people uh, are incarnate as one person, for example, but overall, that's it. One big ass <laughs> comic, and that's uh, very, very, it's incredibly well documented and um, and very well done. It's all in black and white, which is quite rare, but knowing the, 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 the huge pile of work that it was, it's drawn by a single artist, which is <laughs> quite amazing, and, uh, and yeah, really enjoy it. So, the, the the topic is that how did they what what happened basically around the the Manhattan project like the that basically mm. lead led to the creation of the, the 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 nuclear bomb and it's very very fascinating because there's a lot of things that you don't know about this topic and one of them is that physicists were actually pushing governments lobbying governments uh, about investing in physics, basically, in the early um, 20th century, and uh, they were not taken seriously. And it's only where, when the, 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 between the two world wars and the, during World War II, that they managed to be heard, and it bite them um, back, basically, because suddenly they hoped, they were very, they were very optimistic, like we could find new things to do with radiation, with physics and stuff like that. But of course it was then used as, um, the research was used to create weapons, basically. And so what's very interesting is that it also makes, a, it takes a lot of time to explain to you what is an atom. And basically the, um, the, the, the first, the, the, we are in the, in the main character, um, it's a first-person character comics. It, like the, it's narrated as the first person. And the first person is the bomb. So the bomb speaks as I. You know, I'm waiting, uh, it's going. I had a, a shilling, something like that, when they do the first, you know, uh, ignitions and stuff like that. So it's very frightening ah. when you are reading it. It's mm. very intimidating. There are a lot of characters to track and see. And you understand that basically... Um, people were passionate about it. Science, anyone would have made it in the end, like any country could have made it. And it was basically a, a chance that the, 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 the United States, not the chance, but they, they also, uh, there are story of sabotage and stuff like that. So very, very heavy topic to start the podcast, I would say, but uh, yeah. very, very interesting. So the bomb, uh, big one by um, Alcant, Bollet and Rodier, and a really, really, really impressive one. Like giant pages, a lot of characters, very good. Like if you want to offer a kind of single book that can be uh, to people who like history and don't read much comics, that can be the one, I would say. Mm. Okay. I'm sorry, what, what was it called again? The Bomb. Like the La Bomb in French. Okay. 
I was searching for it because there's also one, there's another graphic novel about the bomb just called Bomb, and I wasn't sure if that was the same one. <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the. La Bomb. Okay. La Bomb. Yeah, I, I don't La know bomb. if it's. I, I, will, I will be surprised if it's not published somewhere else because it was made uh, to commemorate the anniversary of the bombing of Hiroshima. I think it was like the, the 80 mm. years or something like that. So it's, I think it's four years old, the comics. And so okay. that's, um, that, that's it. I was <laughs> no, um, that's not the one with Stephen Shane, Shane Keen. It's the no, one. No, that, it was more okay. just that it's kind of... Uh, interesting to me that if i'm searching for it there's more than one comic apparently yeah about the bomb so yeah it's <laughs> it's it's, bomb. In, it's available on amazon.com uh but i think it's the french edition yeah so if someone speaks french in our listeners the bomb uh hardcover uh you can find it uh, easily in okay. any good uh, library yeah Sorry, a bit, a bit, you know, uh, a bit of a topic and stuff, but uh, very, very great. Like, uh, hey, very that's that's this is a scoop. I, I think there's very <laughs> few English language podcasts that would be recommending this one. I was taking a look at the art, and it's 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 beautiful. It's uh, yeah, it's very like classic looking, just really sharp, really like technically well done art. It, it, mm. It's it's almost like it's pulled from the like a '60s fashion. You know, a catalog that kind of illustration. Yeah, mm-hmm. and really uh, nice. the, the, this, yeah, they choose the. They said in the in the post phase that they they choose this art this artist specifically because he has a very um, efficient way of representing things. And since they they knew they had hundreds of pages to to draw, they wanted someone that was efficient, that was readable. You know, something that uh, that went that that didn't. That, that that's funny because it's mostly you know people talking. That's one of those comics, like mm. just people talking, and a bit, a bit like you watch uh, I know Game of Thrones, House of Dragons. That just people talking. Just they they have dragons and they are in castles, and so it can it could be seen as a very annoying or boring topic and comics. But I really enjoyed it because as a few the the comics has a lot of pages that are very metaphorical or illustrative. To explain, for example, what is fission, what is fusion, stuff like that. So uh, yeah, it really, really helps to to understand yeah. and to contextualize stuff. Yeah, it it reads well. Like it's it's not it's mm-hmm. not dry looking. Like visually, panel to panel, it it, it looks interesting. Like it looks like it's mm-hmm. actually fun to read. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I noticed there were several contributors. Are those all writers? Because you said there's only one artist, right? Yeah, yeah. There are two writers. One, uh, I think, Alcant is the main writer, um, okay. and uh, I think it's Rodier, the 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 artist. But uh, yeah, they were two. Uh, there were one initiator uh, on the project, and after that, he was joined as as um, with another co-author to be able to check basically everything, all the documentation, all the stuff, how to condensate all this, because there are, there are so many, so many, so many things to uh, explain. And, and that's 
very very hard that's the kind of comics that is very hard to do you know because it's the big story like of course there are a lot of characters and you have information about them but unlike um, uh, another comics from the about the same period which is Maus by Art Spiegelman <laughs> Maus is very uh, an autobiographical novel uh, comics that is seen from the perspective of a single person you know and so suddenly they, they if they fail at just one thing historically, the whole book is going to be, you know, heavily criticized. So you have to be yeah. sure. <laughs> you have to be sure of what you're doing. So yeah, that's uh, the thing. Real quick, I wanted to circle back on the the art. It was something that Richmond was saying about the readability was reminding me of this something that uh, obviously we're talking about an audio. You can't see it, but um, a, a black and white comic I had read recently is um, which is pretty popular is the Walking Dead comics. And I was yeah. like, why does this hit me differently? Why is this more readable? And I, I, I glanced at the Walking Dead comic that I have, and I was like, you know what? They use black, like this artist uses black and white really, really well. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. The Walking Dead, as an example, and some of the Frank Miller comics, like really rely when they do black and white on some grays to fill in. And when they, uh, when they block. They use screen tones, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And when they block mm -hmm. tones, I, I almost feel like this artist is using black uh blocked tones in the opposite way that i expect other ones where like ones that would typically be a white outline and then would use black i feel like it's it's the opposite in one looking at and, and to your point it makes it feel very clean uh and very readable mm -hmm. like he's often like not filling in skies or backgrounds but it creates a really good silhouette so like i'm just uh, enjoying like the and, and he's using like cross hatches occasionally but like still the line quality is very very crisp um yeah especially when he's focusing in on a subject so i just wanted to mention that because I, I originally the reason i wanted to mention it is that like walking dead i was very intimidated by it first because like i opened the first page and it actually felt overwhelming to look at um but mm, i, I powered through it because i wanted to read it um and, and i and i had the same problem with uh, the snowpiercer comics as well um and again, like it's not that they they were they ended up being good. It was worth it, but like this one doesn't feel as intimidating to me immediately, other than the dialogue being in French. <laughs> Sorry for 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 the French. <laughs> yeah. I just want to say um, the the art has really good spot blacks. Like it leads your eye through the page, uh, it, and then very sparingly uses like some gray tones. It, it looks a lot like like Milton Kniff, like some really old school. You know, like pretty realistic, <clears throat> really solid uh, art. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah oh, I'm disappointed me, it gives that me it's... a lot of. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. So, so go go go. No, I was gonna say it, it gives me a lot of like sort of um like 60s, 70s like vibes yeah. with respect mm -hmm. to like yeah. its composition. I'm definitely getting like a lot of stuff that like for example like things that Alan Moore used to like write on and stuff like Swamp Thing, like a lot of those types of feels. So, definitely interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I hope you can. Oh, it exists in English. Perfect. Oh, it's it called the bomb. Yeah. yeah, it's called the bomb, the weapon that changed the world. It's okay. it will it's it will be published this year, July 11. Nice. Oh, oh I'm so oh. happy. Yeah. <laughs> you can pre-order it. Yes, yeah, you can pre-order it in, on Amazon. Like, yeah, yeah. So yeah, oh, nice. the, bo the, the weapon that changed the world. I'm gonna order this. Oh. <laughs> pre-order oh, yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> It'll it'll be a really great but potentially inappropriate coffee table book. I'll have people over and they'll be like, "Oh, what's the bomb?" And I was like, "Well, it's a very lighthearted topic. Let me tell you about it. Hmm. Um, Let me tell you about it." So it's wow. all started. 
<laughs> it's all started with the big bang, you know, atoms and stuff like that. But yeah, I really, really recommend it. Uh, it's especially, I think, a good gift if you're like in, uh, in the by the end of the year 2023, you have this, I don't know, uncle that reads a lot of history and is not really into comics. That's the kind of thing that can, you know, pass the test of, uh, but it's a comics. You know, something like that. That's the. Mm. Um, that's we have a lot of uh, as an uh, as a former comic book seller. We had a lot of uh, comics. Is actually a kind of default gift in France. You know, in the Christmas period and stuff like that. Oh, that's or, so cool. And so people sometimes a lot of people during Christmas, especially the last week, they drop in. They're like, "What's popular? What's what can I offer to this person that I see once a year? I don't know what they read. I don't know what they do." I don't even know if they like me, you know. And uh, and since <laughs> and since it's a not it's not an expensive gift, like it's something between fifteen to I I would say thirty or forty euros for a complete like the the bomb that changed the world, the weapon that changed the world. In France, it was published for forty euros, and it's like a it's like a phone book sized thing, you know. Yeah. So, and the, this kind of uh, of comics is. Uh, very good works very well because it's prestigious because the topic is prestigious the art is easy to read there's you don't have an opinion you know about this kind of art you just it works even if you don't have a, a lot of um uh, i would say image culture or comics culture and the 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 fact that it talks about history it's a good thing so yeah there are a lot of uh we as a comic book sellers we, I think all of them, they have, you know, a few comics in their mind that are, ah, yes, the comics for the people who think comics are dumb or don't like them or don't read them by default. And I think this one enters very well inside this, uh, mm. this range, you know. So, yeah, that's it for me. The, the, first, the, the last okay. one that really, really, I really, really enjoyed. Cool. <laughs> I, that, that culture of uh, gift giving, I, I just love how much comics are celebrated in France. We, we got to do a podcast about that <laughs> in the future. Yeah, I think yeah, that's so we, cool. I think we should. Uh, I have a great fr great friend that um, maybe I can bring you another another French speaking people. Uh, maybe a Belgium guy to um, because <laughs> you know in France we don't say French comic. We do, uh, we say. Belgium French comic, Franco-Belge, like we say, yeah. and uh, it's mm -hmm. a world mixed culture of uh, of it's, comics like. Uh, it's the BD, yeah. right? Yeah, Band yeah, the bande dessinée. Bande dessinée. Mm -mm. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Let's do it. Okay. All right, the bomb. All right. Okay, who's next? I can go. Uh, yeah, you go. Go sure. for it. Cool. Uh, so I, I mean, so this one, I. I I mean, it's, it's cheating, but it's not cheating, uh, because the the one this one I'm reading right now that I've um, really enjoying, or I mean, I'm, I'm at least through. There's another volume of it, volume one of it, but I don't know if you have read this. It is um, it is the novel adaptation, the graphic novel adaptation of American Gods. Um, it, okay. It's a it's a Gaiman comic book uh, done by Scott Hampton. Oh, I haven't read that. Uh, no, I've not either. So uh, I mean, the, the I would say that the 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 art style specifically is is color, um, and I would say like it, it's competent with flashes of brilliance. <laughs> um, <laughs> that makes sense. Okay. Like like uh, for the mo and also like uh, so if you if you're not familiar like what what I found so interesting about it is uh, from a 
just from a story perspective, I'm personally a really big fan of of the style of story that tries to bring more of a real like kind of like bring mythology into reality. Um, and mm-hmm. so the plot itself, I think, is actually very interesting. Is kind of what got me into it. Um, but but basically, uh, the main character's name is Shadow. So like the volume one is called Shadows. Uh, about him but the, the the core conflict actually has this idea between like the new gods and the old gods and of course they're like mm-hmm. depicted as humans and uh i mean one of the the main characters is effectively like odin but then it also what and what, I, what i really like about it is it isn't just the mythology that you expect uh it brings in uh, like slavic gods it brings in uh like Ghanaian gods, Egyptian gods, like, and they're they're all kind of, like, you know, and even like Johnny Appleseed is treated as a god, basically. Like, but it, it's it's more of like this um, more realistic, um, you know, humanization where like they're they're not often presented in their god form, but like there's like that's what I mean by flashes of brilliance. Whenever they're having shots or scenes where he's trying to reflect their godhood. Um, because like more often than not, it's like a person, <laughs> you know, um, mm-hmm. it, it, the way that it's depicted. So for a comic to depict that, um, I think it actually makes it a really good medium for it. Cause obviously it's based off of a novel, but outside of a novel where you're using your own imagination, uh, there's some really, really striking visuals and some like really interesting takes on godhood that, that the, um, that, that the comic book makes. And I guess what I mean is like, there's some really nice spreads where, the way that he's trying to reflect the power of the god is is kind of showing something that's a bit more fantastical, um, and that's where the the art style tends to like really shine. It uses a bit more of like a watercolor, um, sometimes like a, almost like a a, a ganache looking um, backdrop, and then it kind of reverts back into more of a classic you know colored colored inked mm. uh, comic book. So it, it's it's a really interesting combination of story and styles and mythology uh but anyway neither here nor that the story itself is really engrossing and really interesting uh especially if you like uh just mythologies in general like i i I probably could tell you like i think this volume i can't even count it had maybe 20 30 different types of gods and it's like everything from uh one of the main characters being odin to like a taxi driver is ifrit (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know it's got hindu gods in it It, it's just like it's a lot of it's a lot of really good fun um and and also especially if you like gaiman's writing i think you'll you'll enjoy it but you know everything but but i i've actually um listened to the audiobook of american gods as well and this is my preferred way to consume this novel um so highly recommend it it's a it's a pretty easy read but it's like it's, it's not a short book it's a couple hundred pages um at least the first volume. Oh, is it is is it like pretty standalone or is it ongoing or? Um, it's pretty standalone. Um, I think there are two volumes. And, and actually, I, I've even I've only read the first volume. I just finished it recently. Um, actually, surprisingly, I got it from the library. Which uh, hot tip if you have a library, at least in America anyway, um, they have really good. They have shockingly good graphic novel sections. Um, and manga well, sections if, as well. If, you, if, if you're in California, for sure, yeah. Yeah, if you're in California, yeah. yeah Ca- California has an excellent uh, public library system. Hmm, that's yeah, cool. yeah. But anyway, this is also this is a dark horse um, comic book, by the way. But anyway, yeah, nice. highly recommend it. Really enjoying it. Uh, did not expect to. I I picked it up on a whim. A whim. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nice. It's very pretty. I the contrast between you know the more I would say graphic pages like very and the and the more I would say dialogue oriented is is very strange because in some of them, as you said, is very um, watercolor and after that is more like plain colors in some pages when he, when the, it's just dialogue. It's so, but it's not exactly full plain color so it's very very strange in some aspect it's very good and some uh, of some of the the way the layout is made in some pages is very chaotic or very original so it's really good like really really interested about it i've, yeah. I've only seen the 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 first season of the uh, show adaptation so i'm not sure about uh about everything that happens but yeah that's sounds nice is it like episodic like uh, one chapter is like a, a kind of single story in a more broad story or is it like following chapter to chapter like no no really it's, it's definitely chapter to chapter i mean there's definitely like little vignettes and asides but the, mm -hmm. the vignettes and asides are really more to, to flesh out some of the the gods um but no, no it's definitely a very clear uh it's actually more of like a road trip narrative um yeah is, is a good way to think mm -hmm. about it um yeah so yeah, a lot of stories. Nice, nice. I did. I didn't even know that that they were adapting it in a in a comic book format. I, I actually so, didn't. Yeah. I didn't know there was a show. But like I said, I've listened to the the audit the book, mm -mm. and uh, like I said, I, I I prefer the I prefer the comic book over the over the actual novel. Um, mm -mm. Well, I mean, you know, Neil Gaiman did make a name as a comic book writer, right? First, before he yeah. became. Mm -hmm. a, novelist really i didn't know that i don't know i don't actually know much about neil gaiman i mean i recognize the oh, name dude. for a couple things old man that's like he just swore something a whole episode like a, itself, yeah. like, a whole yeah, car yeah. just okay. like drifts like, everyone's like what the huh yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah now yeah gaiman gaiman is basic is mostly well known for being the 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 sound man like guy, of course, but well, uh, of course yeah. I know I know the salmon, like, course, but <laughs> but, uh, but a lot of things, a lot of things, yeah. Quick, we we just like we just like were surprised, but actually I know more people I think that read his books than read his comics. If I think really? about it, because he, he did he did a lot of uh, of novels after be after uh, doing uh, Sandman and other and other comics and uh, I, yeah okay. I only know like, the American God series. Like, what what other novels uh, has he written? Uh, wasn't he wasn't the wasn't him the, that made the the um, the movie Coraline? Coraline. Yes, Coraline. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that, that was like an illustrated book. Like, yeah, yeah. But he he yeah he didn't yeah. I think Stardust. Was... Yeah, Stardust. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, it did. So there were about the one that I know. There was Stardust, Coraline, um, uh, American Gods, of course. And which one was the last one? Uh, I remember. I can't remember. Oh yeah, he did a uh, uh, row writing that is very very interesting called called Norse Mythology in twenty seventeen, and it's basically the. Um, the the Eda, you know the um, uh, the, the Norse poetic Edas. Yeah, the, oh, the excuse, oh, hey, excuse me, the not the Norse Bible. I would say, even if oh, it's not yeah. the right term. Can 
can we go can we go yeah. on a tangent here about the poetic edis um so yeah. <clears throat> something that i i uh, uh quite recently and I, I i will admit for like the most basic reason ever i was more interested in norse mythology because um god of war, I, god of, war. <laughs> yeah. and, <laughs> of course uh, i, I uh, I, but, but i'm one of those people where i'll totally dive into something and i was shocked to learn that i don't know like so unlike greek mythology where we have a ton of historical context and documentation as to what uh mm. ancient peoples and how the mythology developed right the poetic edas are basically the only primary source that we have of Norse mythology. Yeah. Right? Most yep. things that you associate with the visuals of Norse mythology are like shockingly not backed up by the material, like the Marvel no. version of stuff that everyone associates. And that's actually something that I really appreciated about God of War Ragnarok is that, uh, they, they took a different take on the characters using really mm. like, and, and really the stories and, Something that I found really interesting because uh, I was watching a couple of YouTube videos by actual like historians that that can can read uh, ancient Norse because it's very similar to to a to a, a certain modern Scandinavian and they were basically uh, talking about Icelandic. Sorry, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, they were basically saying that uh, like intentionally the poetic Edas are very dreamlike. That they speak a lot in metaphors and stuff. So like a lot of the imagery that that is consistent. It is really hard to adapt. And then a lot of the things that you associate with like classically Norse are basically made up by modern media. So like mm. heavy uses of tattoos um, might have been a thing, but like, and it also talks about that a lot of the, the potential history around it was probably lost in the, in the raids, the, the Nordic raids. Um, so it's just like kind of shocking to me how like you, you think about Norse and Greek mythology on the same level, but from a primary source perspective, uh, there's shockingly little to back up Norse mythology. It's very like oral tradition. So I'll stop yep. there. I just think it's really interesting. Uh, <laughs> and and what, I, what's I, even I, more, okay. yeah, what, what's even more strange with the with the poetic era is that it's not even written by Norse people. It was written by I think a monk, a Catholic monk that was, and it was written like I think 100 years after the um, not the the Norse religions. Uh, had disappeared and the con and country and most of Europe was already um, Catholic at this point. Yeah. So it's ba it basically happened after the fact. So we don't know if it's basically a fan fiction of a monk that was like <laughs> bored in his monastery, or if it's real, like he's just writing, you know, the 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 the, the tales that were passed orally for years, even in this country. So yeah, it's a. Uh, it's very, very, it's very slim <laughs> what we have about yeah. it. Yeah, that's something <laughs> that, um, uh, that that's something that I think would surprise a lot of people. Uh, what, what you said about when this stuff was written down, because you imagine like, oh, you know, it's as old as the Greek gods, but it's it's not. This stuff was written down a thousand years after Christianity, so it's it's pretty <laughs> recent. And then, um, which is especially ironic, because a lot of people. Um, you know, sometimes it gets like associated with like white supremacy movements. It's like, oh, we're returning to our culture, and it's like, no, this stuff is like newer than, like, <laughs> it's it's newer than Christianity. Um, at least the version of it that you're getting. You know, it, it does make me so, uh, circling back. It does make me want to hear Guyman's take on it, though. Yeah. But no, go, go ahead, uh, Thomas. <clears throat> uh, I'm not. I'm. 
I think the, uh, the the thing is that it's very complicated because they they said that the 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 manuscript uh, that contained the poetical edda is called the Codex Regis, and um, and it was in the 14th century. So you know it was, and basically most of Europe was converted to Catholicism around uh, the 10th century. So or the the eleventh century. So it's very very complicated to to understand, and it's only fifty fifty five pages. Like like it's very very slim. So yeah, but to go to go back to Gaiman, Gaiman basically did a, a prose reinterpretation of this to basically. I think it. I think there was a story about how he wanted is to explain the to have a version that his daughter could read or something like that. So yeah, that's the that's the thing. If you want to read mo a more digestible version, Gaiman rewrote basically the Edda, uh, the poetical Edda, to be more readable today. Like uh, cool. One thing uh, so, yeah. I'll add because, and we will not have time at all to go into this tangent, but another thing that originally got me more into Norse mythology was that Xenogears uses a lot of Norse imagery. Um, oh yeah. Uh, for instance, their uh, their their ship, the the submarine, eventually flying submarine, the is, is named Yggdrasil. Um, yep. And, it, it, and anyway, it's it's one of the first games I played that integrated um, n like Norse naming and mythology. Like again, like obviously it takes place in a different world, but uh, once you learn, just like most things, once you learn more about it, they didn't just name things randomly. It actually adds a, a kind of another layer of depth as to where the naming comes from, and um, I, I don't know. I've always I've always en enjoyed specifically like references to Yggdrasil, the World Tree. Um, I don't know. It's a it's a very it's a very I can see why it's so attractive to a lot of people. Like it's a very enjoyable mythology. It's got a lot of really fantastic imagery, and it it's definitely in contrast to other mythologies like versus like you know Egyptian or Sumerian or Greek. It's, it's definitely got its own flavor, but there's definitely a, a recalibration that I had to do, like almost like hitting my head about trying to unlearn a lot of the, the, I guess like for lack of a better term, a lot of the, the defaults or a lot of the stereotypes that like media teaches you. And I actually think it's, uh, I'm actually gonna gonna see, seek out this this Gaiman one because I feel like the more that you learn about the actual mythology, it's actually more exciting to kind of break yourself away from like the modern. Not that I have a problem with the Marvel interpretations of it, but I just I feel like it's become too pervasive in the way that it's depicted. And getting it back to the original source material and having it be a bit more open mm. to interpretation is is actually pretty exciting. So just to correct myself, the Poetical Edda was apparently published for the first time, or published is not published, but uh, put into writing around uh, 1260. So it was almost two hundred years after, like the 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 Northmen conquered a part of England and stuff like that, and and most of the most of the of Europe was already Christian. So, right. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. The the, Norse, <laughs> yeah. the, the actually um, another like minor aside is that the the Norse raids on England is a massive turning point in a lot of historical record, um, more than you mm. probably. I've actually been watching a lot of like. Uh, this show called Tasting History on YouTube, which goes yeah. to like, historical <laughs> recipes. And there's a couple things where he talks about um, recipes in context of the, the Norse raids on England. And it's shocking 
how big, like how much it changed the 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 culture and uh, trajectory of that area. It's it's a, it's a big turning point in history. Okay. Okay. Wait, wait, okay, I'm, I'm just going to nerd. <laughs> wait, no, no, no. I'm going to nerd out one more thing. <laughs> we we yeah, touched on this. We touched on this in the uh, the Elden Ring uh, episode, but um, there's a very famous passage in in the poetic Edas uh, where where Odin hangs himself on the tree Yggdrasil yes. to unlock the secret yep. of the runes, and he essentially sacrifices himself to himself. And um, yeah, a lot of people think that's that's the Christian influence at play, right? Because that's a lot like uh, Jesus on the cross, and if you know mm. Jesus is God too, right? So it it yeah. Like, it's very likely that, that that could be an influence on how uh, Norse mythology is, you know, persists to this day. Like, that that mm -mm. would be a very difficult influence to escape back then. Yep. Yeah. It's so interesting. <laughs> Just, uh, it, it Stuff mutates as it travels through time and different cultures. Always has. 100%. I, I just want to mention just um, mine because, like, it kind of fits in funnily enough to... Yeah, yeah. It, it fits in very well with the, with, the, with the general sort of, like, topic that we've just been discussing. So, like, one of my favorite comics and one of the most interesting ones that I've been so intrigued by for quite a long time, I picked up this book randomly at, like, a comics fair back at, I think, Comic-Con maybe back in, like, 2012 or something like that, or 2011, 2012, some period of time like that. It was from a long time ago, but I am about to share with you all this character called the magdalena so this is Whoa. a really interesting mm. book in essence Whoa. like the magdalena first appeared in like the darkness issue number 15 back in like june 1998 and only appeared kind of briefly in uh, other oh, things the like the darkness we the... played yeah the darkness, uh, yeah, the top, darkness top we cow. played. mark silvestri yeah, that one right exactly 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 so this wow. is uh, published by like top cow and stuff but created nice. by joe benita david wall malky coney but yeah basically the magdalena is a, t is a title of a series of women descended from jesus christ by his marriage to mary magdalene and like the magdalene oh, I, I see what they did there oh. bloodline yeah, oh yeah. man yeah this and is they, uh, yeah. some dicey stuff I know they, yeah. they inherit great powers from like a royal bloodline and act as a warrior in defense of the Catholic Church. And the, the Roman Catholic Church has been under the Magdalena's has been the, has been the Magdalena's employer since the Middle Ages, raising her from childhood and training her until she's ready to carry out her role. Like the Inquisition, a secretive and powerful council of cardinals, oversees the Magdalena, Magdalena's activities and decides her missions. But like I just thought it was really kind of funny because like yeah, like we sort of got into this area of like you know the ways in which Catholic influence have touched different bits and pieces of like not just yeah. media but like active you know bits of other speculative like fiction and stuff and the ways in which people have seen them and the ways in which they've like kind of touched people's lives is quite profound i suppose and like just even going even further into this now like you know this is a book this is a character who first appeared in like you know 1998 and just to sort of speak about like the idea of a of a team affiliated um comic book based in and around the catholic church with a Catholic uh, fighter that like utilizes hand-to-hand -hand combat skills, swordsmanship, varying different like levels of like athletic skills, and just all different kinds of like interesting stuff. I, I just think it's really cool to sort of see this posited in like this uh, in in this way. I've not really oh, come oh across no. so many characters like this before, but yeah, there's quite a few. AJ, they almost made a movie out of this in 2009, and they never they never got it off the ground. Yeah, uh, yeah, this I, is almost I, a thing. Yeah. I know it's it's a, it's a comic, but I, I partially want this because I kind of want to see the Catholic Church's reaction. I mean, it wouldn't be good. 
I'm surprised they haven't already reacted it, but there's, there's like a part of me from my ex-Catholic days that just, I don't know, I enjoy seeing the Catholic Church overreact to media that integrates them into the, <laughs> into, the, into, the uh, into the the mythology of it. Yeah. I I love the um AJ the the, the image you posted. She, the design is so 90s. Like oh, yeah. it's, it's this this hot babe and she's got like a bare midriff and she's wearing like vaguely crusader looking armor with a hood, but then she's of course she's wielding katanas, right? Cuz you have mm-hmm. to. Of course. It's the 90s. <laughs> And, and she's got she's she's got um uh, uh what do you call them the bags the layfield uh oh the, oh oh, the, the oh pockets uh, yes yes the, the belt pockets yeah yeah it's belt pockets it's like a like a utility belt pocket type thing yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and the the straps around the forearms and I'm I'm not saying this ironically like I actually just really <laughs> I enjoy how straightforwardly uh, cool and fun I, it is. um this this design aesthetic you're talking about Richmond with the the katanas and then the multiple crusader belts i actually really like yeah. that aesthetic that's <laughs> yeah. really cool um it's fun yeah you, you know what it reminds me of um i bet an influence on it was the uh, batman sword of azrael comics do, do you i was remember just that? gonna man i was just gonna no, get please into get into it, it. get uh, into it get okay into so it. yeah okay so yeah azrael is actually one of like my favorite characters um yeah, he's basically he's really cool if anyone yeah. who, if, if, if anyone doesn't know um, Azrael is actually like, it's an it's an alias used by like multiple like different fictional characters like appearing across different like DC comics. But like the original version, uh, Jean Paul like Valley was created by a guy called Danny O'Neill, Joe Joe Quesada, and like Peter Milligan. But also debuted like ages ago back in like Batman Sword of Azrael issue number like one. But like one of the coolest things about Azrael again, like it, in terms of sort of like recent uh, iterations and designs, you see a lot of like intriguing Crusader imagery. You see a lot of very specific um very specific design sentiments like posited with respect to you know the crosses on his on his gear or like just the inclusion of like red and white like bleeding like sort of like uh bleeding uh, overtones on his armor just like you know the the cross uh, the cross sword with the actual you know specific type of hilt like the idea of like a, a burning flaming sword or always talking about you know just being um not not even just being a, a specific ally or an apprentice of batman but like also someone who even was able to like adopt like areas of like the Dark Knight's like moniker, so to speak, but like kind of exists in a sense as a kind of a, a like like a like an extra punished Batman, if you will. It's it's kind of interesting the ways in which the character has been been posited a few times. But yeah, I, I just really I really like the idea that people can take from different areas of like real life and make the different areas of like re- religious. Um, religious like design sentiments like mix them into like fiction to create like a sort of wider more more deep breadth of a of another type of character i think it's just really cool the ways in which like we get to see that now it's like this reminds me again so much of another thing just to sort of like mention this now but um you, what, what i was watching um helsing like a, like a, a while ago and just like there's so many really interesting ways in which like you know the, the catholic army is like positive for example or, like the ways in which you see so many different you know versions of like not just crusaders i suppose but just like different orders of different types of crusader and like having these different you know types of character all like meet up in different in different manners and and, and just what was just watching the ways in which different bits of media 
actively kind of like speak about and sort of like influence the the sort of like the Christ, areas of like the Christian you know canon and how they how interesting they're able to make that. I mean, like for example, there are so many different versions of like Vatican like soldiers that people have drawn across different you know swaths of different areas of media, and I think it's just a really it's a really interesting thing that that we've just that we've just seen over over really long periods of time. For example, like yeah. even like uh, Alexander Anderson, you know, like the sort of like the sort of crazed, incredibly powerful, like you know, Catholic man who who turns his weapons into literal crucifixes before killing people and all that stuff. It's like I, I just think that just to sort of like get get to the sort of like other root of like the wider points that we we're making before, I think that like within a sort of like wider understanding of like religion and like just how much of a wealth there is there for fictions to be like made out of different things i think it's really interesting that like even now today you know we we are still sort of like repeating and creating our own you know fictions out of these different you know scripts or texts or different events that that um that that we've been taught about and that we've that we've learned about i just think it's really really intriguing yeah so i i wanted to just i feel the need to let y'all know that there is a batman arkham knight figure by sideshow which makes hot toys of uh, <laughs> Asriel, and that's right. I have this figure. <laughs> oh, nice! nice. Yeah, it's right. Cool. It's right ah. next to my Hellboy. It's it's a it's like nice. one of the most valuable toys that I own. <laughs> Sorry, one of the most valuable statues that I own. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's not actually. <laughs> it's a really yeah. cool. It's a really cool. Even the Arkham Knight design is really really cool. I've actually really enjoyed uh, this like Crusader style imagery across. Uh, different different comics iterations, but Azrael uh, is a particularly cool one. Mm. Uh, I mean, like, it's just quite interesting because I'm just looking up different bits and pieces now, and like, there are quite a few different types of like general, like I guess, action battle nun across different, just just across different um, areas of fiction. Even for example, I'm not sure. Oh my god! To oh go god. in now, no, but I'm not, I'm not sure. Oh, How do you know this graphic? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know a lot of things. I, 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 I just put in a book called like Warrior Nun Ariella. But I mean, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's it's really really cool. Just the ways in which like we see so many different versions of this uh, type of character. Even for example, going into like you know um, Black Lagoon. Even there's like a there's a yeah. there's a nun character there called I, I, I think Ida. I think her name is. I think. But um, yeah, like she in essence like is able to utilize like really cool like gunplay and she can do all different kinds of really intriguing like ways in which she fights and like she's really sharp with the way that she shoots and just like yeah like i think it's just really interesting like just looking at the ways in which like this specific an area has been like positive like over time they're just like so many from like her to like you know sister yolanda to like so many other characters across different bits and pieces of like fiction you know i just think it's i think it's really really interesting but yeah well i'll i'll stop for now we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this some more yeah <laughs> I I just want to say real quick, like Sean, you, you were saying like, oh, I want to see the Catholic Church's reaction to this. Like, I I wonder just when Catholic people see this stuff, like, is it actually offensive? Because they always look really really cool, right? I you know it, it's it's kind of like the the controversy, as it were, around like things like the Da Vinci Code. <clears throat> I I feel like normal Catholic people are not offended by it. I I feel like the the Church takes themselves a this is gonna sound weird. Way too seriously, and and like uh, I I like, as much as it's not a good comparison, but I, I like how like for instance like when uh 
Matt and Trey Parker did like Book of Mormon, the Mormon Church just took out ads in their programs. They like like I feel like if the Catholic Church reacted that way, it'd be probably better. Because like to your point, for the most part, a lot of the things that they're against, if if you really look at it, it actually makes them seem far more far cooler and more competent <laughs> than they actually are. Um, so you would think that they would have kind of embraced it, but I don't know. I think it's. Uh, I think it's just some kind of virtue signaling uh, for, uh, for the organization of the church that they, they have to take themselves so seriously as a as a as a holy sanctimonious organization. Well, so that's just my yeah. Thought. I mean, a lot of this stuff is pretty sacrilegious, but oh, but it's it absolutely really cool. <laughs> it's absolutely sacrilegious. Um, I, I don't know. I've I had this thought with like a couple different things where like someone is trying to act more holier than thou about it, but I'm like. What what are you doing? Just just take the cool like this is this is like a really weird example, but I'm gonna use it anyway. So back when like the the mask things were going on with COVID and like President Trump was all like, I'm not wearing a mask, whatever. And then one time he had to do it, and they had a special designed mask for the President of the United States that is the coolest looking mask design I've seen in a long time. And I was like, why are you making a big deal? Just wear the mask. It looks cool. <laughs> like, you look you look badass with that mask on. Just put the Why are you fighting this? Just <laughs> let the yeah. cool happen. Like let let cool things happen. It's fine. <laughs> you know? Um yeah. anyway. I know that's a weird example, but I remember being just like struck by by like someone put a lot of effort into this cool looking design and all you had to do was look cool. You know? Hmm. And I think to your point, sometimes the Catholic Church could just be like, well, this is fictional whatever they probably would be better off just being like yeah like did you ever see that that this is like another weird aside did you ever see that poster way back when like not smoking was like a big deal in america and it had a bunch of animals with like cigarettes in their mouth and uh oh yeah it looked amazing yeah yeah and the the tagline was like do you think this makes you look cool this is what smoking does or whatever i'll see if i can find a picture of it but actually it makes all of the animals look really cool (laughs) yeah dude that, that 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 was like intentional reverse psychology there like <laughs> yeah because I, I think a lot of the anti-tobacco stuff is funded by a tobacco company it's like they legally have to like fund uh some of this stuff so it's yeah because uh, yeah. optics matter like like from from my perspective you know like like when i see all these cool looking like sure they're evil but they're still like cool looking characters representing the Catholic church. I feel like it doesn't really, really make the church look bad. And then just, you know, like, like say in America, a lot of times I'll see like Asian characters and stuff. Right. And like, they'll try to be, I don't know, like not offensive, but like the characters just aren't cool and they just end up being kind of lame. Right. Like, um, like I think in, in DC comics, they had like some Chinese superheroes, one of them was called like Mother of Champions, and she gave birth to like like a thousand superheroes every day. And I was like, "This is, I know you're trying to like, it's just really <laughs> lame and weird." Um, and then you have something like Big Trouble in Little China, where like uh, you know James Hong straight up plays like Fu Manchu, but like he's awesome, like he's the bad guy, but it's 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 not offensive because he's like a fleshed out you know, charming character, like, like, like the way you present something really, it, it it matters. Yeah. And I think they're the villain. And I think to your point, like sometimes like being against it makes you look worse. I also call it that like the reason I I think this is probably the institution of the church and not the individuals is uh, 
my uh, my father-in-law is a deacon, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna tell you the answer. But it, can you guess what his favorite show is that he he has like all the DVD sets for? Uh, it is Buffy know. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like, oh, what? Cool. really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I may be outing him there. He doesn't listen to the podcast, so it's probably fine. Okay. But the like, point being is, like, I think ordinary people, like, I, I don't know. Like, for, for me, it kind of comes back to at least when I when I was Catholic, I, I would much prefer cool, competent versions of the church than, like, just being offended at everything. But, like, I, I think to your point, um, it, it you know, sometimes it has, it has, like I said, it has the opposite effect fighting it. But, uh mm. Uh, either way, I think there is a lot. Well, also, like, since there's a lot of mythology and Catholicism, it's it's also kind of fun to riff off of. So, uh, like, even uh, bringing back Xenogears here, uh, the the ethos in Xenogears is heavily based off of the Catholic Church. Like, um, and to a large degree, it casts them as both awesome and horrifying at the same time. Um, actually, I don't know if the Catholic Church got mad about Xenogears or not. I mean, that definitely was a controversy because they literally crucified Gears in that, that game. A lot of religious yeah. history and you know, but but the point being is that they had a Catholic like entity, and uh, you don't really find out until much later in the game that they're a, they're a horrifying shell of themselves. But for most of the game, yeah. they're presented very very nicely. So anyway, yeah. um, okay, I'll just say one more thing. I, I do think context matters, right? The Catholic Church is coming from a position of power, so you know, they, I think they they true. can afford to have thicker skin about stuff. Uh, anyway, I just want to real quick mention, I, I found a picture of this poster I'm talking about. I, I, I posted it for y'all. So the, it says it looks just as stupid when you do it. And then it's got like a grid of different animals with cigarettes in their mouth. And like, my God, they look so cool. <laughs> Every single animal looks looks like there, there is like there's like a camel and a chimpanzee and a bunny and there's a Sheltie, and there's a goat, and like that is the <laughs> coolest looking Sheltie I've ever seen. <laughs> and and they, so, so what they did, I, I just feel like it's really, I think like people as things should really look this poster up because like they're shot against this like stark black background. So the cigarette yes, is so. kind of edited into their mouth, and then the smoke comes up against the black, and it feels feels like very artistic and like a little bit like noir, and. It just it just makes them look super super cool. So like yes. the, for them to be like, it looks just as stupid when you do it, and you're like, I wasn't even thinking about smoking, but now I kind of want to do it because like, damn. <laughs> you, you mean you mean I can be as badass as this chicken? Like, <laughs> like that's a progress, you know? Yeah. That's a progress to me. Like, like <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, we, we we do have to kind of put that chicken in the uh, in the cover art for this episode. It's got to yeah. be nice somewhere. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 <laughs> That, yeah. that chicken is the, yeah, I used to read comic books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They all look like, they look like they're going to give you some life lessons. <laughs> like, it's like, the, you know, this meme with the, the crow that has a, a cigarette in its beak and it oh, yeah. says something like, this thing, I haven't heard this name for a long time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. There really is something like, kind of funny about that, yeah. Just the ways in which yeah. we kind of like can imprint a personality on an animal just by like giving it a simple like item. Like it's but, just, yeah. I mean, to give you an idea, so so obviously, like I don't know if y'all know, I I used to when I was a kid, I had shelties, so it makes sense. But that image of the sheltie with like the the smoke behind him, whatever, like that image is vividly burned into my brain. That this this campaign was so effective 
at making me remember and think about how cool smoking is and how cool this Sheltie was smoking. That like, it's like you know, it, it stuck with me for a long time. And that specific image is so iconic in my mind. This is amazing. Like I just oh posted you the, the picture of the crow in a cigarette, and I re I forgot that there's someone actually lighting the cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they they love shiny things, so that, that crows yeah, into it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, do you know it's a complete tangent, but since we are on birds, uh, do you know the Twitter the artist False Knees? Yeah. The guy that draw, yeah, yeah, that yeah. draws uh, yeah, like hilarious hilarious bird comics. You can find it on Twitter if you don't oh, know yeah, False Knees. Yeah. It's it's amazing. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Should we go back to comics? Yes. Yes. Um, back to comics. It's it's your turn. It's your turn. Okay. Okay. All right, so um, one of my favorite comics right now, uh, really for the last couple of years, the one I look forward to every week, is uh, Chainsaw Man. Uh, but of course, um, of course, <laughs> but but we're, we're we're not talking about Chainsaw Man today. Um, okay. Instead, because uh, that that's a whole podcast right there. Uh, I'd like sure. to talk about. Um, they have been put well. So first of all. Uh, so the author of Chainsaw Man, uh, uh, Tatsuki yeah. Fujimoto, he uh, did some really good one-shots uh, recently, yep. uh, including um, uh, Goodbye Airy, uh, which was a tribute to the um, you know the tragic uh, Kyoto animation fires. Um, it's just a beautiful one-shot. Uh, then he he also did another one called. Um, uh, just listen to the song. Another great one shot, and uh, also a look back. Uh, um, look back. Ba yeah. Basically, yeah, yeah. If 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 you get the Shonen Jump app, uh, it, I think it's like two bucks a month or something. Um, aside from Chainsaw Man, they've been putting out a lot of great one shots uh, from uh, Tatsuki uh, Fujimoto. Tatsuki Fujimoto. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then on top of that, they just put out one called Before Chainsaw Man, uh, which has. Uh, four, mm. four really early comics that he did. Um, that's it's it's a lot mm. of fun because this is the stuff he did like uh, you know for contests. Like so, this was like before he was like a real pro. Um, so you actually get to see his evolution as an artist. It's super interesting because like the very first one is like real rough looking. Like it's it's you know not really at a professional level yet. It, I mean it, it work works for a gag comic and it, you know it, it is kind of a gag comic um, but you still see the really interesting part is like he already has a strong voice like even at the beginning it's real rough but you can tell it's his comic hmm. um mm -hmm. and you know if this was your first introduction to him you it might not be evident that one day he would be one of the great comics artists of the day uh but looking back on it like that that seed is there um so yeah, so I, I really recommend. Um, yeah, if if you pick up the Shonen Jump app, uh, just just look up uh, Tatsuki Fujimoto and like dig through his old stuff. It's it's really fun. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, in the in France they are published in two volumes. One is called Seventeen to Twenty One, and the one is called Twenty Two to Twenty Six, referring to his age, I think. So yeah, oh. it, we were like like oh. you can you cannot imagine oh like like I think Goodbye Eri was like published by. Two months in France after it was like uh, released online, like they they completely <laughs> they they have plans for everything he does. Like he's so popular right now. 
That's uh, yeah. That's crazy. Okay. And then, okay, he, he, did one. you know? The, oh, Richmond, did you know that the, the, he was the invited guest of honor last year at the International uh, Comic Books Festival in France, Angoulême, and they made a giant exposition to for him with, a, oh, with awesome. um, or, or original, uh, you know, sketches and stuff. And uh, I actually know the guy that that was the commission, uh, the the exposition director, and he even made, and I kid you not. He made a custom printed Chainsaw Man carpet that was used all around the exposition. So you had Chainsaw Man under your 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 feet while walking inside the thing. <laughs> it was completely crazy. And I was like, "But what did you do after that?" And he said, "By it was destroyed. Of course, it was. It was just a one shot." And I was like, "What?" Oh. <laughs> <You could. laughs> oh man. So yeah. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, just, just one more recommendation. Um, I, you know, I, I don't want to go too deep into the plots for any of these because they're real short. Uh, uh, but I also highly recommend uh, Fire Punch. Uh, so yes. that, that, that oh, was yeah. uh, his oh, actual yeah. series, so not just a, uh, not just a one shot, but an actual series. That's what he did before Chainsaw Man. And oh my God. Yes, that that's is something. an insane comic. Like. Yeah, I, I I dare say it's even crazier than Chainsaw Man in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like, it's... if you've read Chainsaw Man, you're still not prepared for Fire Punch. Like, yeah, I, um, oh gosh, should I even give like a a, a basic synopsis, or should I just like, yeah, yeah, it? that like do it because it. it's it's way more interesting okay. once you know the details. Okay, yeah. okay, so so I'll, I'll just give you the barest description of the plot because it is crazy um it, it, it's a takes place post-apocalyptic setting the world is in like this deep freeze um and then you know humanity is just sort of its last embers are burning out and then once in a while you get people with weird like powers they just they don't know what causes it uh but the main character um uh, has a healing factor and i, I won't even <sighs> the stuff he does with it <laughs> okay, I, I won't go into. You can, TV, you can, you can, premise... you can, you can say it. Like it's, it's talk, the, talk about uh, the first. It's the first yeah? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's the first okay. chapter. Yeah, go for it. Okay, yeah. the first chapter. Oh my god! Um, so because it's a resource limited society, the main character actually feeds his whole village by cutting his arm off repeatedly, like what? Just yes. over mm -hmm. and over. Because he has an insane, like, it's, it, it does, it's oh, just yeah. A, like, yeah, like a super healing factor. He's, he's like Wolverine times 10. It's like a, some weird divine gift. And that's just how he keeps everyone alive. That's not even the craziest thing about the comic. I'll, I'll, that's all I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you a taste of that's, that. And... <laughs> maybe, maybe you can at least say why it's called Fire Punch. Because, you know, when you look, mm. when, when it was announced, I remember, like, everyone was like, yeah, Fire Punch. And I was like, oh, okay, another, like, shonen comics with a guy. Okay. He can do, he can do you... Fire Feast and he, ma he masters fires, but that's not okay. the important thing, actually. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, so the reason it's called Fire Punch, and again, this is all the first chapter. You, you can skip ahead if you don't want, like, these spoilers. But it's called Fire Punch because at some point, this guy with the endless healing factor meets another guy whose power is a fire that never burns out and the guy <laughs> lights him on fire <laughs> and it 
it it it, it, it kills stop it, and... <laughs> it just and it's doesn't a loop. stop Burn. Yeah, it's so a, it's 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 a, it's a yeah. feedback loop where the fern, yeah. the, the fire burns, but the body heals, yeah. and it never ends. <laughs> so the guy is basically burning for, and I think he burns for years, like uh, in isolation alone, for, uh, for the very years start. or something like. Yeah, at uh, the very uh, start, uh, he spends years like just burning, like yeah. just on the on the ground. So in essence, yeah, like this guy, this, his name is Agni, and what it is that he's going through at the time, yeah. So he meets this person who is kind of like a lord of sorts, who is able to set people on, set people and things on fire, like just in time immemorial. He can just never he can just never stop stuff burning. So yeah, he hits Agni with this, and then like Agni starts to burn. But Agni is in such pain. That he, I think it's four years or something like that. But basically, he hits the floor, and obviously his body's just all is just consumed in this like all encompassing blaze, and he just doesn't move off the ground for four years. So yeah, his body's just <laughs> his body is literally just like burning, and then like he's still alive, and it's just burning some more. Then it's just healing, then burning. He just yeah, like you said, like a perfect perfect loop. But he eventually becomes used to. The act of burning to death <laughs> long enough, yeah. and then he gets used he just, to the pain, get, basically. Yeah, exa yeah. exactly. And, and then he gets up and he takes his first step. Then he starts to like try and breathe. And then he and then he feels like okay, like I can I can maybe talk maybe, and then I can maybe like okay maybe I can like I don't know walk over there and open my eyes and then yeah and then he starts to be able to slowly but surely learn how to I guess just exist in this world again whilst also being in excruciating pain and in essence just burning up and kind of dying like all the time basically it's it's really yep. interesting the way that it works yeah yeah and, it's and incredibly cruel like, yeah and that that's <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's that that's well, so cruelty how, how, the manga how long, how long how long is the manga six volumes um, i think something like that's not yeah, it's not long. Oh, it's, yeah. Not, yeah. it's eight, eight, eight volumes. Yeah, it ran from eight April volumes. 2016. Okay. Oh, sorry, it's serialized through through a Tracy Shonen Jump Plus website through 2016 to January 2018, and it is collected in eight Tankobon volumes. So yeah, it's available yeah. on uh, the Shonen Jump app, and it is a fantastic piece of work. I think everyone should check it out. Yeah, um, I cool. think in the U U.S. is published by Simon and Schuster. I think. Mm, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah in the I, UK as well. Yeah, yeah. So just absolutely yeah, bananas. Like I, yeah. I, I, all of us have been reading comics our whole lives, right? Like that, that yeah. comic had my jaw dropped at several points, and mm -hmm. I, I haven't felt like that in a very long time. I was just like, oh my god, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Like, and, and what a character design as well for Agony. But there are so many oh, other really cool so and intriguing characters that you meet. There's a character who's obsessed with film in the story who's really interesting. Oh, yeah, she's there's so another, good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's another character who is um, who I can't. I won't, I won't get into. I won't get into. There, there are lots of cool characters in this story, and I think that it's very much worth it if people check yeah. it out. Yeah. 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 I think um, you, you definitely. You know, just a warning. You have to have a stomach for for gore to read this but oh yeah it's true. um it's not exactly a sadistic comic like i i don't it's not it's uh, cruel like it's cruel it just, but it's not yeah it you don't feel like the author is cruel it doesn't feel like it's reveling yeah. in it. it it's just really interesting it yeah. feels like there's, there's a there's a series of games um there's a series there's a series of games called like the the lisa kind of like series basically and um it starts with lisa the painful 
And like that also is a post-apocalyptic video game, and it is written and designed and composed by a person called Austin Jorgensen. This is a game that I'd love to talk about one day. It, this is a very, very kind of like similar vibe type game. But like, if you've heard of that game or if you if you are intrigued by it at all, like I genuinely think that like reading not Chainsaw Man, reading Five Punch would be something that's up your alley. That is the story of um, a post post-apocalyptic world in which like there are no like women like left there's no girls no women left but apparently like one is found a young girl is found in the world and it's only like a world of, like just like men and it's a really like harsh like cold desolate like environment oh, but also yeah. it, it 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 is but, but also there are areas of it that are like very kind of like intimately like touching and like kind of kind and like sweet but then there are other areas of it that are indeed very like kind of like scary and tense and and, and anxiety inducing and stuff but yeah it's, it's really interesting oh, in this story huh? it kind of reminds me of that it, it is yeah it is yeah, yeah this this is a game which like, i would definitely definitely like for us to talk about one day for sure never yeah. heard of this one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. get into that in the future yeah definitely cool. Oh, definitely okay but yeah but yeah back to some comic books though this is Comics. a this is a really really good one yeah, yeah i'm really hyped to hear us talk about five points can, can, can you read this online or do you have to buy the um physical copies you can read it I online. Think you can re- you can read a lot of comics online but is well, it legal yeah. that's yeah, the question you look hard enough um, now i'm pretty sure you can read this online on on, I, the, on the app no yeah is, maybe is, by oh, maybe is it in the show jump app I'm gonna have a look right it now. I think depends on your region, because in, in the U.S. that one's Simon and Schuster. So I've, um, now I've in, got it. I've got it right here. Yep. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can buy the volumes online. I can read it online. Like, yeah, it's right here for me at least. On if, if I just typed in just I just typed in it's a viz.com over here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Just, just type okay. just, just try viz.com and then just type it or just search in for, uh, read five punch manga. And then it should be available in there. Yeah, yeah, I found okay. it. Cool. Oh, nice. So, uh, I'm hesitating between two comics to talk to you about. But uh, that's. Uh, do you want the funny one or do you want the non-funny one? Let's get the funny yeah, one first. Funny the funny one. one. Okay. So, I just finished reading a series uh, called Tokyo Tarareba Musume. Okay. And it's uh, by uh, Akiko Iga- Igashimura. And I think you know, you've seen her into the Manben uh, documentary series by Urasawa. She's the, mm-hmm. the lady doing the... Um, the oh, how, does, how is it called? The Samurai Wolf manga or something. So, Tokyo Tarareba Girl uh, Musume. It's basically... It's a Jose manga. So, it's a manga for women. Directed at women. And uh, it's in uh, nine uh, tankobon, nine volumes, and it's basically true woman. It's it it's the author basically making a manga about all her mid thirty friend female friends that can't find a good guy. <laughs> and that's and that's 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 something like the the three girls are basically all always together complaining about um, about not finding good men and the, the Tarareba thing it's it's very complicated I don't think you should I think if it's published in English 
you should read it in a very official and documented translation if it exists, because it's full of uh, puns, of war word, word puns. Like, for example, I think Tokyo Tarareba means um, uh, speaking but not doing, something like that. You know, it's a, it's a joke about uh, saying, oh, we just have to do this. We just have to do this. It's... Uh, you, you only have to do this, you know, and they are always saying this kind of thing. And uh, in in uh, and the the translation is French is absolutely incredible. And the actual translator got a prize for the translation in French of this manga to say uh, so good how good she is. And um, and it's how to explain it. Basically, the three women. One of them owns a restaurant. One of them is a is a um, uh, film. Um, writer a movie writer and one of them is a, a stylist and the, the 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 main character is the the the, the writer and <laughs> she writes only like um, love scenarios she is getting out of touch the 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 one in the restaurant has a hard time um, managing the restaurant with her father that says ah you should marry and stuff like that and the third one has a lot of troubles finding balance because she's not she's working uh, at client's house and stuff like that and so they reunite almost every week every day to eat some stuff and they eat i think fish and uh, and uh, and like something that when you when you I, I can't I can't translate but basically typical Japanese dishes that are very very not cute you know <laughs> not like not like uh, it's not cupcakes on or, or stuff like that it's really like the, the the dark stuff that you eat well when you are completely drunk you know. <laughs> <laughs> like nice. for example in Europe that will be I don't know a kebab for example or something like that that's the equivalent you know of eating a kebab or, or a very like the burger you talk about in a thread which month you know the basic burger at uh, at uh, two uh, two dollar you know that's the kind <laughs> yeah, yeah. of thing they do you know and uh, the and they meet someone a guy one day and he treats them of uh, of good for nothing girls that always complain but do nothing basically and it triggers a wall a, a wall lot of events and the girls start to have like hallucination about their food talking to them about how stupid they are for not finding a man <laughs> <laughs> and it escalates in all sorts of sub stories and stuff like that and it's hilarious and also it's very like it's it's a good testimony basically of all the the issues and the pressure that is put on women especially in Japan to to marry before 30 years old and uh, after that about being too old and uh, but also the difficulty of women finding just someone they like you know and uh, that's i think that's a universal feeling like uh, there are way more um single person today than there were i don't know 20 30 years ago so yeah a lot of things <laughs> it's hilarious because it's very very well uh written the having your own food insults you because you 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 ruin the date is always something you, you never read this before you know so yeah like if you if you want it was even adapted in a, in a movie i think in a in a series a live series so it's very 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 special like but uh, i really really enjoyed it 
like going, I'm going to post for you some uh, some pictures. But once again, it's a, it's a manga about people, you know, drinking and speaking. So maybe that's not the the most uh, I would say visual <laughs> comics you can find. But yeah, really, really enjoy it. If you want a good uh, a good laugh, and I hope the the English version is a. Uh, is very well translated because that the the whole point is of the of the manga is the 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 jokes the the situation stuff like that so yeah i hope you can find it in your own language somewhere but it's hey, also I... very very kind i would say you know hmm. like oh also in the in the french edition i don't know in the english edition but apparently the author for each uh, seri for each pub uh, chapter, did um, a readers um, how, to, how do you say? You know, readers could uh, send messages about their issues with uh, their 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 relationship issues, and the two characters answering to the readers of the comics during the publication are the food characters. And the insults, basically, it's a roast me episode each time at the end mm. of the manga with real people talking about their issues. And they're like, no, you're, you're just fucking stupid. And you're like, what? <laughs> you do that. <laughs> so that's, that's so, so, so wild. Like, just let me show you the, the, the girls and the stuff. But yeah, very, very, very funny, funny one. Like, the food is... Uh, as uh, you know, maybe Richmond, you can um, see how the the it's very shoujo manga. You know, the food is very uh, shoujo manga style, and uh, and says the most horrible things to uh, to people. So it's very hard to describe and to to sell to to anyone. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's dipping into like the, your deepest insecurities, but in like a funny and yeah. kind of safe way. You know. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. you can say that. Yeah, yeah. The the yeah. The, the, she, the the author just the author is very very fun because she's um, she has multiple series going on and um, and really I really enjoyed this one because it's it's kind of harsh, you know, on its characters and of course on the people the characters are representing because the characters are inspired by real people, but it's also very very like kind in some ways you know like everybody's trying to do his best <laughs> to uh, to make it work so yeah that's um that's complicated but uh if you if you want to read a good jose manga and uh, and discover jose manga and uh, a kind of sex and the city but it's 30 years old and uh, in japan that can be the the good one i think nice here you go yeah, that's way funnier than the other one I had in mind. You picked the right one. <laughs> <laughs> the other one was uh, was going to yeah, no. <laughs> okay, so who goes next? Um, I want to go next. Yeah. yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, one other thing which I've been reading very recently. I'm not sure if I did mention this to you guys, but I am somebody who utilizes Kickstarter. And I had been mm -hmm. on it for quite a long time now, since I think about 2013, 14 time. I've had a really good time looking at so many cool creative projects that people have been working on over there. But 
one such project was the wonderful and amazing Tales to Enlighten. I may have mentioned this book series to you guys, but here you go. So check it out. Tales to Enlighten, in essence, sort of like speaks about varying different stories regarding devils, demons, black wow. magic, and you. Serial killing Satanists meet big oh, books ideas cool. in this 300-page feel-good graphic novel it's really really cool like the main sort of like story i suppose is like the idea of like i think it's the devil's like grandson and a reluctant killer robot murder their way across the multiverse in an effort to reach enlightenment itself but is enlightenment all they thought that it would be the satan sado cult tries to intercept the duo and amazon warriors seek revenge against them enter megatrip a psychedelic cosmic cosmic dj an interdimensional space god that teaches them a better way of life through peace love and the universal brotherhood black magic science fiction a remake remixed buddhist teachings tales to enlighten i saw this on kickstarter and i basically like lost my mind this is one of the coolest things that i've seen and i actively you know i, I have the book i, I obviously supported and i paid for it and stuff and yeah like it, it's absolutely fantastic i just want to give a big shout out to matt king and everyone else who helped put this together but i mean uh, the correspondence with respect to the sending of this book was great but on top of all of that too, like I love the the quality of it, the feel of it, the way in which like the book itself, like it has this beautiful sort of like mixture of both like sort of older time print feel and quality, but also with like lots of newer techniques. And I think that honestly, like I'm just having a Whoa. really good time. I've been having a really good time reading it. You'll see a lot of really intriguing, weird kind of like trippy things in here when you, whenever you do like read it if anyone does but yeah it's it's 100% worth your time it's it's got a lot of intriguing like drug and like sexual and religious like just stories and tones and it, it just gets into so many weird and interesting ideas character designs are on 100 just the first it, it, if you've not like seen any of this just type in tales to enlighten comic book on google and you'll see the cover for the book itself and then that should tell you everything that you need to know about like how this uh how this book is matt king james edward clark they absolutely hit the hit out of the park on this one yeah, yeah. that's crazy it's really really crazy like once again <laughs> there's a nun with big bada bunkers and uh, <laughs> uh so i see a trend here AJ. I see a, I, on, I see honestly a... <laughs> like i didn't even realize it myself but maybe you know i hope this isn't uh Hope doesn't uh, in, in, enlighten uh, anything within me, you know? <laughs> or, or anything within me. Yeah. It's so yeah. wild. It's so wild. Yeah. That's so cool. I love this kind of comics. It's so, so yeah. wild. The art style is really interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so funny. It reminds me of a mix between comics and uh, the style of... Uh, a little bit about the style of Yoko Shimizu. Uh, okay. In some ways. It's so mm. funny, like the EV charge one. It's like very psychedelic. Oh my god! Oh, this is I'm crazy. Get into like all the different story bits, but it, it's extremely strange, and like I really like it. For example, like one of the characters is like a giant like pyramid like head, but not in the way that you think. And they have like an all-seeing eye, and like yeah, like it's just really interesting. Like the the main character being like the like the the grandson of Satan is like a really kind of like funny tongue-in-cheek thing there and like there, there are just so many weird and intriguing types of character that you meet like it's really it, it's really really cool I, i've been having like a ton of fun going through the story what and this is also, ongoing 
Oh, okay. So yeah, basically, yeah. Like they 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 are releasing um a new uh a a new uh part of this of this wider series. And yeah, basically that that is going to be coming out. So but you have like a new part of it called uh, Tales to Enlighten the New Testament. Yeah, that that's uh, that's another <laughs> thing which, which they're working on. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> the I... the book is available on uh, Etsy, basically. Actually, you can buy it on, mm-hmm. on Etsy. I don't think it's published in a regular publishing house, so it's probably the only way to to get it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, I, God, I love the colors. Like it, yeah. it goes for like an intentional like like it looks like it was like physically printed with a press you know mm-hmm. like very uh, tactile very analog look and I think the the coloring style is um it's almost almost like a throwback to like you know like older comics like pre digital style coloring yeah. and what what I like about that um uh, you know not not just the nostalgia factor um I I like that it's mostly flat colors and it works well with the line art like it, it's it's instead of overpowering the line art with rendering and competing with it, 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 it goes with it like really well. It, it just reads really, really well. It's very mm. nice. Mm-mm-mm. It's it, it feels a bit like, you know, oh, the, um, oh, I think it's in the eighties, the, the art world um, started to use comics as a, to distort comics and, uh, and stuff like that. And, um, Ah, I can't remember the name, but uh, there was a real oh, like, like, uh, of like Lichtenstein and uh, you know yes, before that Andy Warhol, yeah. Yeah. yeah, stuff like that. It reminds me a little bit uh, about that, but on the more maybe it's not British, but I I have a, a suspicion that those persons are Brits because it fe- it feels Brits. Maybe I'm this wrong. comic does right? Yeah, this comics this comic yeah. Those, yeah. but maybe I'm completely wrong. I don't know. And uh, my, I think my British sensor is completely broken. Yeah, yeah. They're American. Um, my my British sensor is broken. It's okay. <laughs> you you, you only you only know me. It's all right. It's okay. It happens yeah, to the yeah. best of us. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, AJ. <laughs> 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 nah, this this is a this is a really fun one though. It, it's actually quite cool just speaking about the ways in which that like this this set of like stories. Like it's it's kind of like it okay. It doesn't st- it doesn't always follow like one specific like story thread. It's a bit like anthology like. But I just think that like there are so many kind of really weird and cool, intriguing things that occur within this story. Like people's like faces get like you know ripped off in interesting ways. Like you see pe- people go on like super weird like alien drug trips. You see like just you know cartoon you know versions of people's like innermost like thoughts come to life. Like you see there's a really cool sort of like set of pages where like they do a they they do a sort of like comic writers like thanks to the community type area where it's kind of like like they sort of have a, a a fourth wall break in a sense, sort of talking about the ways in which, like, if this was a, a real life, um, what's what's the word for it? If if this was a story like a cult, for example, like people would be like trying to join. So, for example, I'm just reading here. There's um, a comics writer thanks community, sort of like um like a newspaper clipping that's been like cut out and like sort of like in world placed in the story to sort of like help 
with like the positing of other parts of like the plot and stuff. It, it's it's kind of really cool. Like I really like the way that it's um I like the way that it's been done. I really I really like it. It's like it's actively giving thanks to the community, but at the same time, it's kind of like talking about different parts of like the world. There's like a a really cool like Where's Wally kind of like spread page with like all different characters in in this place called World of Lust, where all these different characters are basically in this giant oh, like fun. bar and they're all having like a really good time. But it's kind of like oh, find the characters like who's 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 who like well look at this person over here what are they doing look at that person over there what are they doing it's really interesting and fun so yeah this if, if you want like a if you, it's kind of like a like a big variety book if you will if you if you want like a really fun and um just really intriguing strange zany just wacky story and if you are intrigued by just you know very vibrant colors very interesting and like sometimes older kind of like styles with respect to like comic book artwork like yeah definitely 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 do pick up tales to enlighten from matt king and james edward Clark. Mm-hmm. it's not it's not it's, exactly yeah. the, a comic but i i want to bring it up now because you were mentioning like really great stuff on kickstarter are y'all are y'all familiar with this video game magazine uh, a profound waste of time <clears throat> Yep. Oh my god, yep. that's my yeah, that's my friends. That okay, so that's Caspian Whitlers. Shout out you Kaz. Yeah, that, that's a good friend of mine. Yeah. So so this is one <laughs> nice. actually and aside since you know them, I have been trying desperately to get uh like like basically find someone that will sell me a copy of the first oh, version I, of I got you. <laughs> waste of time. But but uh, it was one of those things where what we were talking about reminded me of like, oh, there's so many good creators on Kickstarter that are making these like beautiful artistic like amazing books that are very limited edition yes. but are absolutely worth supporting and it just it made me think of this this immediately because the, the again this is a it's basically like a, a magazine that discusses like games as art and focuses on a small amount very very well crafted i mean i haven't actually read one but i've seen uh, i've seen reviews of it and i've seen enough pages to be like oh it's so good anyway yeah, yeah. Oh, honestly, just like I want to do a bit of like an extra gush. Like uh, a profound waste of time is anything but. It's it's a beautiful and righteously award-winning independent magazine, and like just a celebration of like games, not only just like as things that we play, but as an art form, as a as a medium, as a means of expressing ourselves. I think that it's incredibly important to like be able to capture not just like moments in time, but actually speak to the minds of like developers, speak to the minds of creative people, and as we try to on the art podcast, speak to you know the sort of core the the root issues of like what facilitates the creation of beautiful games what facilitates the creation of things that we love and care about so much and i i just really wanted to say like if you have not yet really do look into this because like sometimes it's hard to find a sort of specific pastiche of what it is that you love and care about like in life but i'm telling you like a prime waste of time is exactly that i'm, I'm so glad that it exists and shout out kaz love you bro and uh yeah like we definitely got to get you on the podcast one day man we'll, we'll, we'll figure that one out yeah nice all right um if if no one else has a, a sean do you have do you have another one uh, yeah, off. yeah, I, I do. Although it's it's not like a new one. Um, I, yeah, al- I almost feel I almost feel like like I'm being more with like popular stuff with it. But it was one of the, actually one of the first like air, air quotes like physical mangas that I bought all of, and I have it on my shelf. Um, I, I think there's actually a Criterion Collection movie based on it, but <laughs> classic is uh, Lone Wolf and Cub. Oh yeah. Ah um, uh, yes, yeah. So I, I mean, like, so basically. Uh, I'm gonna probably butcher describing the plot, but uh, basically the the plot is that there's this um, 
I guess he's kind of like the hand of the Shogun um, type of he assassin. He is the Shogun's executioner. Yes. Uh, so I, I, he basically, you know, goes around and kills people on behalf of the Shogun. And then one day he comes home, uh, and every everyone in his family except for his infant, one of his infant sh- children, um, is is uh, dead. And then there's a like a scene uh, early on where basically there's some betrayal. I don't I, like the plot's kind of too complicated to explain, but basically in terms of like me regurgitating it, it won't. It'll be easier to just read it. But uh, he gives the the child a, a choice between uh, killing him and the the path of. Uh, the sword and basically the, the child crawls toward the sword so they kind of just start you know become like <laughs> exiles traveling the land as assassins for hire um and they and they become uh known as lone wolf and cubs so it's, it's they're very really small little mangas but they're super well illustrated and it's really well written i think the cover art's done by frank miller even though he doesn't do uh any of the actual art on the on the pages uh, yeah, yeah. Fra- Frank Miller was a big proponent of that comic, and um, mm. you know, you, you could see it was a big influence on Frank Miller. Just the uh, Gekika uh, stuff from the '70s, huge yeah. influence on uh, a lot of uh, American artists, and and the Gekika artists were in turn, you know, they were really influenced by uh, American comics artists of of the, the the '70s of the time as well. Just with their, uh, you know, their emphasis on like really. Uh, realistic anatomy and dramatic lighting and stuff. There's a lot of really good, cool back and forth. Uh, oh, oh and if it wasn't clear from what Richmond said and what I said, this is not a new manga. It was published in 1970, at least first was. Mm-hmm. So it's not new, yeah. but it, it's. Uh, I have the, I have the entire like. There's like a. They're like very kind of small handheld books, and each cover has like a color, and like it's actually uh, one of the first ones that I I kind of initially got it because I wanted to have it on my shelf, but it's it's actually it's a real. It's one of my. I actually like go back and read it occasionally. Um, it's just it's kind of become relaxing to read it i don't know if that makes sense because it's, it's a pretty violent comic actually yeah, it's a dark comic yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, but like I, i'd say like it's uh it's not quite quite in the same vein as like uh, all the other mangas we're talking about but i uh, for me it was one of the first ones i read and it really got me more into a, a like a more serious tone of a manga so yeah. Uh, um, let's talk about Dark, it. Dark Horse publishes it in English, and uh, you can get it digitally. Uh, w- once in a while, they'll put it on sale. Like earlier uh, last year, they had a, a crazy Kazuo Koike uh, sale, like all of yeah. his work for. It was just like pay whatever you want. You know, yeah, insanely also, great. There, there was also the Wool series in uh, in um, EPUB format on the. Um, uh, you know the game uh, give the the pay what you want stuff, but for video games, mm. uh, indie uh, humble bundle, humble bundle also yeah, had the bundle. sale. I think a lot of time. That's so funny because you mentioned it because you you know how um, uh, Kazuo Koike, uh, so the the author of Lone Wolf and Cub, and uh, the, the, do you know basically that the Lone Wolf and Cub, the title translated in English. Is so popular now that even in French it's translated this way. Like it's not the 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 the, the Japanese romanization or French translation, but the English one. Like it, oh, it no. uh, yeah, that's it had an, a big influence. And um, what's funny is that um, Koike also um, opened in the seventies a school for young mangaka. And so it mm. was, uh, and you can you can uh, see the influence because among the the, the, the among the mm. people he had, he had uh, 
Tetsuhara. So, yeah. of course, mi- Mr. <laughs> Mr. Um, Okutonoken, if I remember yep. correctly. Uh, he also had uh, Rumiko Takahashi. Yes. So, uh, of yep. course. He had uh, Keisuke Itagaki, who was the author of... Uh, which one it was? Uh, no, I'm I'm completely no. I'm I'm thinking about someone else. But there was also someone else. It was. Uh, dun, 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 dun. Are you thinking of the the Baki? Yes. Baki. Yeah. Yeah. That's him. Yeah, KSK the guy oh, okay. is uh, Baki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, okay, yep, yep. it's Baki. So yeah, that's him. Yeah. And so yeah, plus a lot of other people that you probably don't know or know you don't know uh, the, the 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 name, but uh, yeah, it's uh, a, a lot a lot of people uh, went to to his school, and it was more a school about writing good characters and writing good stories. Yep. So it was very very interesting, and uh, even some and there are a lot of authors that we don't really know that are not published in a lot of um of story but uh yeah it's uh it's very very interesting a very interesting I... fellow he did he did a lot for the for the adult manga scene oh totally mm-hmm. i didn't okay, know I much f- about quicker that's pretty cool he's prolific yeah he's very he's very a very important man that not a lot of people know i think that's the that's the thing well, also a big fan of crying freeman so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the the well, this guy is absolutely. What what was the the name of the the the, um, the artist behind Crying Freeman? Uh, Ryu uh, Ryuichi uh, uh, Ikegami. Ikegami, yeah, yeah, I think it's Ikegami. Yeah, yeah. Ryuichi. Ryuichi Ikegami. Yeah. Ryuichi Ikegami. There's a Manben episode on him. That's so funny. It's so it's so well. He's um he's still active. I think it's more he's more than eighty years old now. And uh, he's still active, and he still draws so well. And he has a secret that it reveals inside the, the the episode is that he cannot draw beautiful people looking on their right or on their left. <laughs> so when when he draws yeah, someone, how did he Turner? <laughs> no, I do. I do. You can say it, John. <laughs> So when he when he does his uh, his manuscript, the, the the when he draws his manga, he, he the people are sometimes not facing the right way, and so he has his assistant flipping some <laughs> some panels. So, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's that so cr- yeah, this one is completely com- super super that's, funny. Yes, that's crazy because he's one of those guys that you think like he can draw anything. Yeah, yeah, you can. Game, I remember yeah. reading Crying Freeman. There's like a scene in it where um, he's the leader of the, uh, what is it, the 108 Dragons. And mm. there's a scene where they're like greeting him. And then a bunch of them, they do acrobatics and they form the shape of like a Chinese dragon out of human beings. And he drew this. Mm. He drew this before like Photoshop and like, <laughs> you know, any kind of reference. Like, Wow, that's so funny that he can only draw people looking one way. That's yeah. hilarious. He can, he, can, he can draw, I think, that's in shocking. two ways. But, you know, when he wants to do a close-up and he wants the, the close-up to be, the person in the close-up to be beautiful, 
is mm. only good in one direction. So he asks his assistant to flip the, the the frame in Photoshop. Like, and that's that's one of the the, the things I love about the Man Band series. So it's a documentary series that started to be available on I think it's NHK World. There's only two mm. or three episodes, and it's basically uh, Urasawa, so the the author, the artist behind Monster and Twenty Century Boys and Pluto filming other mangaka and talking about them and you see them sometime having a very hard time just drawing something and when you see those people it really helps you know taking a step back and um you know be nicer to yourself when you're trying to draw something because if those kind of people that are immensely successful have bad days and sometimes have to redo something eight times yeah, if you can be, you know, uh, nice to yourself just because you had to redo it two times. <laughs> you <know>? yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's very humanizing. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very yeah. good. Well, oh, except oh, for the... Um... Oh, God. Yeah. No, no, God, God. I was just going to say, except for the uh, Yoshikazu Yasuhiko one, <laughs> the, um, you know, the, the Gundam artist and uh, just... Oh, yeah. That dude just starts drawing pages perfectly. Yeah, and he's, this, like, this... he's like, yeah, man, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm done with all the pages in a couple days and I can just yeah. take it easy. I was like, holy moly, like, yeah. he's so good. Maybe it's yeah. like a muscle memory or something where, you know. No, but no, that's not that at this point, it's not even muscle memory because the guy draw like he, he draws a scene that the camera going down through yeah. beam wood yeah. beams in the in the house and he managed to do the perspective of the beams without any trouble and the position of people of the of the the, the characters the angles you know the perspective of humans and not just standing around but you, you know moving and he just draws it like this with his pen and after that he's like oh yeah well i'm not going to do a in between or stuff he just take the paper and he, he inks on it like yeah. and and the, the difference is that he didn't even make the details in the, the the pencil drawing and the amount of details he does with the ink you're like oh my god and the guy is like i think it's one of those artists that is eight years old or something like that or 70 years old yeah. you can see that these people have been drawing for 50 years non-stop yeah. sometimes even 60 years and it's mind-blowing absolutely mind-blowing yeah yep. that's so cool Oh, I was going to also mention while we're on the uh, topic of Kweka, I didn't know much about his history, but also uh, his uh, Lady Snowblood uh, is really, really oh, yeah. good as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Very important one, yeah. It's yeah. it's a very important manga in the world history of manga, Lady Snowblood. Like, very, very important. Yeah. Well, I, I, important did, I did learn too. that, uh, unfortunately, yeah. the, the artists that worked on Lady Snowblood died really young. Mm -mm. Like, in his 30s or 40s. Mm. Lady Snowblood... Uh, Kazuo Kamimura, the artist. Yeah, and uh, and <laughs> oh my god, that's so it's all connected. Kazuo Kamimura, so ladies and gentlemen, his students. One of the students was Jiro Taniguchi. Like, oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, wow. Like okay. here you go. Uh, yeah. Well, of course, yeah. just, just, just of course. Pump a bunch yeah. of those students out that are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Massively so, yeah. influential. Okay. I mean, <laughs> so, yeah. Taniguchi is one of the pillars of manga in France, right? Yeah, Taniguchi is basically the, the the one guy that, like, when you when you when you look at Taniguchi, if you don't, if you I don't know, wrote as the author name, uh, 
Michel Machin, uh, people will not know that the author is Japanese, basically, yeah. because his style is very, uh, I, want, I don't want to say Occidental or European, but yeah, it's, it, it, it's you know, no, no manga big eyes, no pro wrong proportions. A lot of his uh, characters are adults. And uh, even when the adult, when it's not adults, like the the one where he, where the character goes back in time, uh, in France it's Cartier Lointain, but I don't know the, the the English name. So yeah, it's uh it was very important in the early 2000 to introduce manga as something serious and not just Dragon Ball, because basically manga in France was Okuto no Ken, Dragon Ball, Senseiya, and um, yeah, and maybe Gun and. In the early 2000s, the, the, a lot of uh, editorial houses saw the potential of new series and saw it also as a way to, you know, expand their catalogue. And so in the early 2000s, that's the, the period where Taniguchi was published, uh, Tsuto Munie was published, um, also a lot of others, Pfft, can't remember all of them, but was also the start of the republication of uh, Berserk in France after a, a failed initial attempt in the 90s. So yeah, and oh. Taniguchi, Taniguchi, but Taniguchi was very, very, very important. Like I was a comic book seller from 20, uh, 2008, starting as an intern until 2014. And, um, and Taniguchi was like the, the go-to, you know, uh, manga when you add to offer a manga. Well, basically, it was always teenagers or young people trying to convince their parents or their relatives that know what they are reading uh, is not stupid. And I really, really kid you not, that was the, 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 the vibe, you know. And yeah. so the, 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 the Taniguchi, um, the Taniguchi were, were very good for this. So yeah, the, the, the there, I think the, the one that was mostly, uh, was, sorry, that was the most bought was Aruka no Machi. So it was the, the, the one where a kid, you know, um, uh, an adult goes back to his, um, to his childhood um, town and he, he, and he goes back, he has um, not a, um, oh, uh, he loves consciousness and he falls into his 14 years old body and he mm. but still as an adult and is able to look at his childhood again with uh, an adult perspective and probably explain why sudden his father suddenly disappeared like one day his father went to take the train and never came back basically and mm -hmm. so that's the that's the story and uh I don't know if in English it was uh, published, but A Distant Neighborhood in English. A Distant Neighborhood okay. by uh, Taniguchi, yeah. yeah. So yeah, this one. Uh, nice. There, uh, there was a, a French animated film uh, based off of one of his works uh, very yeah, the, recently. The Subbint nice. sub of Gods. The, the yeah, sub yeah, yeah. It's about the the, the um, in English. It's 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 the summit of the gods. I think it's the the masterpiece, probably the masterpiece of uh, Taniguchi, where it's basically uh, it's manga, manga about alpinism, and uh, like like a lot of manga. But there's another one that I love, but this one is very interesting because it's it try. If I remember correctly, it's based on a novel and it 
and it's inspired by uh, real events. And uh, yeah, it was adapted into an animation movie two, two years ago, I think. And apparently the adaptation is stellar. Stellar. Like really, really, really very good. Like you can, you can go. You can go and watch it, uh, no issue at all. Like, and, uh, okay. and that's something because a French anime adaptation uh, of comics are not always good. Like, uh, like uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, you can cool. go for it. Can you can you link that in the chat uh, so the, I can go check it out? The later. summit of go of the gods. Hmm. Summit of the I, gods. I think that's on Netflix. I think uh, uh, Netflix distributed it in the the US. Probably yeah. It's probably. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not yeah, sure about I, internationally, but I feel, I feel I like I've heard of this before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's yeah, real it's, beautiful it's on, looking. Uh, I, I think was just what's uh, gorgeous. Watch the summit of God Netflix. I can't. I cannot say if it is on it because uh, they say no. You're not authorized to, you know, <laughs> watch the <laughs> the catalog. But uh, but it's yeah, there's an article on, uh, on Netflix in America. But uh, yeah. mm. oh yeah, this looks great. Like the I think Polygon did uh, an article saying Netflix intense animated manga adaptation. The summit of the gods is a literal trip. It's realism-driven journey around the world to the top of Mount Everest and down into the depth of obsession. And that's a trend you see in a lot of, um, of stories about uh, alpinism, is how the, is the, fa the fascination uh, for mountains. And uh, there's also another manga that is very good about this, is, uh, it's Ascension from, uh, I think it's Sakamoto, the author of um, uh, Ichinichi Sakamoto. Yes, Shinichi Sakamoto, the the guy that made um, the adapt the um, the the story about the torturer family of the of Louis of the King Louis. Maybe you remember it. It's oh. Um, oh, that's the same artist. Oh, Innocent. Yes, Innocent. The manga Innocent. Oh, the, that comic uh, is so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, the f first he did the climber. Just before that, it's the English oh. name, Climber, the Climber. And it has a lot of uh, similar obsession. It's, it's also absolutely beautiful. Like, uh, beautiful. Like, oh, uh, that makes sense now. I, I, I've only read the first couple of chapters of that, but I, I can see it now. Because he, 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 this artist cannot drip, can't help but make everyone just gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> like, like, and even the, the when it's not the... Like, we are going on a lot of tangents, and I'm speaking a lot. Sorry, but basically, Innocent is the story about the of the the real the the real family of executioners that work for the kings during the French uh, and before and during the French Revolution, and how they had to adapt to the French Revolution and stuff. And it's basically a manga about rebellion and uh, the the death penalty, and it's a mix between like the a, a, a manga for for young girls because everybody is beautiful and uh, they're, they're, it starts with romance and young you know innocent boys discovering love and stuff like that and by the third volume yeah, the the innocent boy has to cut a head uh, with a sword by because his father says ah you have to learn so <laughs> like, okay it's going to be great there's an entire volume about um about uh, an execution 
and I have to Google it because once I said it, uh, I, I cannot. Like it's not a word I had to 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 learn at school, you know. Sorry, it's um. Oh my god, about spacing, spreading out, spacing out. Uh, you know when you tie each member on a rope and you put a horse and they pull. Quarter quartering. Quartering. Okay, thank you. Draw, draw and quartering. Yeah. Yeah, and so mm -hmm. there's an entire volume about the beauty of uh, quartering. <laughs> <laughs> so, I wouldn't yeah. call it that, but uh, yeah, right. that's. Uh, but everybody is, uh, and the the manga is split in between two. The first half is uh, innocent, and it's on the brother, and oh, he tries to take back the, to take the the the, and to end the death penalty while continuing the duty of his family, and the other half is on the sister, and which is. Uh, Marie Joseph, and she's uh, it. It takes a, a turn, a way more feminist turn, I would say, more rebellious turn, and a very more trashy turn also into this one because she becomes an executioner despite being a woman, and she also um, chooses to not be a woman anymore and stuff like that. So it's a you know you can see how it can be trends that you see in. I don't know, um, in in manga like uh, Utena or stuff like that, but it's in the context of executing people and the French Revolution. So that's uh, that's very complicated. If if it sounds strange, it's because it is basically. But yeah, maybe Richmond, you can help me on this. But yeah, that's uh, that's the that's the thing. And so the climber that he did before is a, a bit strange too because it starts as a shonen manga a bit like a shonen manga about um, climbing and by the third volume there's a something happens and we realize that the 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 the, the, the main character is probably on the spectrum of uh, um, I think it's autism you say in English too and it's all about you know you are obsessive about uh, something but you also need, uh, if you are a modern alpinist, you need sponsors. You need to climb with other people. You cannot do only solo exhibition um, climbings. And if you do solo climbings, what does it mean for your family, your loved ones, and stuff like that? So it's also a manga about you know being selfish, basically. Uh, so it's very very interesting, very uh, incredible author. Sakamoto is absolutely incredible. It's. Uh, yeah. <sighs> Yeah, uh, th th there's an episode of London. Uh, yeah, on him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and his, uh, I think his latest series is a show, is a manga about Dracula, and uh, it fits. Whoa. Of course. Oh, that's I mean, perfect. That's perfect. Oh, like, that like I had, oh my <laughs> I had the same reaction as you. I was like, yeah, it makes sense actually. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's very very good. All all his production are, are very very good. I recommend. Yeah. Um, and I spoke too much. Okay. <laughs> it's all good. You speak with passion. That's what, that's uh, yeah. what the Art Eater podcast is about. I love comics like so <laughs> yeah. much, so much, so much. Okay, okay. I got I, I, I got a, a more lighthearted uh, recommendation uh, for mm -hmm. everyone here. Um, I'm, I'm just going to stick to uh, Shueisha stuff today. Um, so one of my favorite comics that I, I just love reading every week now is... Uh, me and Roboco. <laughs> I knew it. Have you guys read it? <laughs> I knew it. I love that comic. It's um, it's a gag. 
it's a gag manga gag comic in uh, shonen jump it's very goofy it's always like a quick breezy read um but i just find it so charming so uh it, it is basically um it's kind of a I don't want to say, a, I don't know, not exactly a parody, but it's very much like a modern version of Doraemon, even though Doraemon is still ongoing. This is like a new Shonen Jump version of it. So the premise is uh, you got this little kid named Bondo, right? And he's got glasses. Mm -hmm. He's obviously like the Nobita stand-in. Um, and he one day gets a, a robot, a order made. So instead of, you know, Doraemon, the cat that's every child's friend, he <laughs> gets this huge... Uh, order maid named uh, Roboco. So she, I mean, she is not your typical anime uh, maid. She's she's like big and hulking. And um, one of the running gags is that her knees look just like Nappa from 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 Dragon Ball. And she's she's really proud of her her muscular <laughs> knees. And it's right. um, it, it's just a really funny, charming comic. It's it's got so many good gags in it. Um, so you know it's 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 about like little kids you got you know they get into adventures and um it's just really interesting how they they kind of update the uh the Doraemon formula because then you got his uh his good friends right there's like the girl that he has a crush on named uh, Madoka and then there's like uh his two best friends uh Motsuo the the rich kid and Gorilla Gachi you know, he, you think he's going to be like the oafish bully, right? They look like Gian and mm. Tsuneo from uh, Doraemon. But the running gag is that even though they look like, like naughty kids, they're super nice. And so <laughs> like, like early on, it's like you think they're going to do something bad, but it's always like something really nice. Like there's one where it's his birthday and, you know, they buy him alcohol and he's like, we're too, we're too young to drink. And you, you think they're going to be bad kids. And then they're like, when you turn 20, we'll drink this together. <laughs> he's like, oh, oh my God, like, it's so touching. <laughs> oh, man. It's um, super cute. Uh, the characters are really charming. And uh, there's just so many good gags in it. A lot of it is like very comics related. Like, um, if, if, if you're someone that enjoys, like, the history of, of comics, um, there's a lot of good visual gags. Like, like there's one where, um, like, like sometimes when, when, when a character gets scared, they'll use, like, a, a Kazuo Umezu face, and it, it, it's just, like, so funny. I, I'm going to see if I can find a, a picture of it. Um, and the, there's just lots of, like, references to Shonen Jump series, but it's not... The way it like breaks the fourth wall or is referential is like it's not overly cute. It's actually like really funny. Like there's they'll do stuff like Robocos in a fight and then you know, she'll just like start like 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 throwing like tons of fireballs and they're like, What are you doing? And she was like she's like, Oh, you know, like she's thinking of Vegeta and she just wants to like prove the effectiveness of like just blasting wildly and and like there's um Oh, man, there's like uh, there's this one character. He's like this outdoorsy guy. Um, he he's like a uh, he's like a writer, and he writes about the outdoors. And he I don't know. He, he like he looks like he's forty years old, but he's actually only like twenty two. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's silly stuff like that. Uh, but then they had like this great chapter where like he gets the kids really into like. Um, he gets them really into like, not just the outdoors, but starts romanticizing 
the outdoors and and like sort of like literature about like the outdoors so then they go camping but then they start trying to like out profound each other <laughs> like they like they like get into a competition of like who who can say like the most profound remarks about like just how you know just, just like what a profound experience it is to be in nature and it, it, it's hard to explain like but the way it's done is like so it's so cute and it's like such like a friendly like inviting like just really warm series um i i, I love it ha have you have you guys read it at all not at all no oh, mm -hmm. oh it's gosh on, it's well it's on my I, i've seen it and i've seen you posting about it and stuff but yeah that's uh that seems yeah. very funny yeah uh adam i i super duper recommend it because there's such like a good sense of like camaraderie with the characters Oh, like, nice. like they're so sweet and they're so supportive of each other and it's um i feel like it's a really good take on on doraemon because um you know like uh like doraemon back in the day was about like you know nobita was just like he's 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 lovable but he's also like really flawed like like they make no you know they don't mince words about how he's, he's just kind of like a, a loser or an asshole sometimes mm -hmm. right um, and then I feel like the modern Doraemon is like, they lean too much into like, oh, you know, he's flawed, but he means well. And then um, Nobita gets away with too much in the new movies and stuff for just meaning well and not actually like, it's too much about like, well, you know, as long as you feel like you're doing the right thing, it's okay. And mm, mm. like like with, with me and Roboco, um, like Bondo is flawed, but like he's a good kid. And it's not doesn't feel forced like there's actually qualities to him like you know where um for instance like they, they actually develop like the romantic relationship like very slowly instead of it being like you know some unrequited thing and and you know it's believable because like he actually has good qualities it's not it's not forced it's not just like oh you know he's the main character you have to like him um and even like roboco herself is like She's like really super insecure, <laughs> <And> it's, <laughs> it's in in like a really believable way, and like she's so she's so petty. Like there's there's one that they do where uh, she signs up for Twitter, and then it's all about like <laughs> dealing with it's all, and, and I think they actually made a real Twitter account for for all the characters, oh and gosh. it's all about like she's trying to coach like this other character about like oh you know like you know um, uh, social media be careful except like robico is having like a terrible time <laughs> she's like actually like <laughs> getting into flame wars oh and then <laughs> she's like actually um, she's an order maid but there's there's more to it she's like really super powerful and you know there's a gag where there's like oh like how do you deal with trolls and then she reveals that like like she traded her eyes for the sharingan so she now has the power to like track down our IP address, and she just goes to their house, no. and, like, <laughs> just like threatens anyone oh, yeah. that like makes negative comments. And then there's oh, just like God. a panel where like she shows up at a guy's house, and she's like, "Hey, are you a fan yet?" And he's like, "Please leave me alone. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll, I'll like all your posts." Like, it's it's just really oh. silly, and um, but I, I I do feel like there's like a weird depth to it like it really grows on you 
And I really uh, want to read it now. I thought it was, yeah. you know, gag manga, but the way you describe it, know, it seems more to be to more it. than that. Like, more to, uh, yes, yeah. Yeah, I, will, I will say, without, without spoiling anything, I feel like thematically, what it does really well is you have this character, Robico, who's like deeply flawed. And she, you know, it's a gag manga, right? She's like always messing up and stuff. And it shows you that um, it's not that she's perfect, right? It's not, it, it's more like, you could see why other people would get angry at her, but it's about like how in life you don't need everyone to like you. You just need to find your tribe, find your family, like find the people that support you and that are okay, you know, with your flaws and that help you become a better person. And I know that sounds cheesy, but like this comic gets that across without in, 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 in a really naturalistic way. It's, it's a great gag manga, but I also feel like it has a really good emotional core to it. Like, I, I think it's great that kids are reading this. Like, I, I, I feel like, mm -hmm. unironically, it actually has like really good life lessons in it. That's so nice. I'm going to read sweet. it fun. now. I want to read it now. Yeah. Mm -mm. And it's just funny. It's just, gosh. A good yeah. love is always good to take. Like, yes. Yeah. Perfect. Speaking of speaking of ones like this, I've just got one more to sort of like add in. Just like, yeah, if anyone is looking for a, a similarly, I guess, uplifting series, I just really want to talk about Witch Hat Atelier very briefly. Oh, like, oh I heard I, great things I, about that. I, one, yeah. I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure. I would call it uplifting, but go on. Well, I mean, like, I mean, like, <laughs> uplifting, like, uplifting in in the sense of it's like art and like at least like the starting periods of it's like kind of wonder yeah. and awe, like the sort of like childlike whimsy that it captures. But the art is amazing. The yeah. art is incredible. It, it, yeah. It is incredible. So, basically, um, Witch Hat Atelier is a, it's a manga series written and illustrated by uh, Shirahame Kamome, and it has been like serialized in a seinen in, in seinen manga's uh, monthly morning two since July uh, 2016. Um, this chapter collected so far into 11 Tankobon volumes as of October 2022. Um, an anime adaptation of it has been announced, and a series of it, a spin-off series, Witch Hat Kitchen, started off in November 2019 as five volumes as of October 2022. But yeah, the this story is so cool in essence it's, mm. a, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a, a wondrous kind of like oh what if i could like be a witch and like learn about magic and kind of finally like get out of my small you know little cottage village and then like explore the world and yeah basically there's, there's, there's this small girl called coco and she is the dra the daydreaming daughter of like a dressmaker who in essence like aspires to become a witch and she actually ends up meeting someone who practices yeah, real life magic one day so she meets this witch named a kip named a kifri and yeah she basically sees how magic is done and in this world it's kind of something which people who you know if, if you don't if you know how to do magic you're not really allowed to show anyone and if you don't know about how magic works you actually aren't supposed to like look at it but in essence like the ways that magic Magic is conjured in this world. It's it's created by by drawing certain like I guess geometric shapes and lines with certain dots and certain different just general stylistic markings that are made with uh, ink and paper. And different markings mean different things. So for example, mm -hmm. like the larger something is like the for example like if you drew like a big circle, that could be like the strength of like a certain type of magic is dependent on its like active size. So if you drew like a tiny oh. circle and it was like a wind spell or something, it'd be, like a tiny little like a little like a little 
little breeze or if you if you do like a giant circle it could be like a big gust so different things like that but in essence there are different groups of people that exist within the story there's a group called like the brimmed caps who are in essence kind of like antagonistic uh, within the story there's a really cool set of like plot hooks that coco's character goes through and mm. unfortunately for her she accidentally at the start of the story cast a spell that turns her mother to stone so that was kind of the oh. the catalyst for her own yeah yeah that's kind of the catalyst for her own sort of like reason for wanting to become a witch and kind of like figure out what it is that she can do to undo that but now the art in this set of stories the art in, in this story is absolutely incredible yeah. like some of the best art that i have seen some of my favorite art just ever quite literally ever i i have a massive amount of love and respect and just admiration for the work done by shirahama Kamobi, but also at the same time like there's so many areas that this specifically kind of like just speaks to me i think that so much of the whimsy and the sort of like childlike awe and wonder that i i felt in my own life is sort of like reflected back at me through this story i think that a lot of the time as well especially with respect to again my own sort of like pixel art like areas like i really just love the way that like for example clothing and cloth folds are so well not just rendered but like the dynamism and the sort of like kinetic energy of them sort of like moving around and billowing and wind is so well portrayed i love the ways in which all of the characters their designs are so unique and then their ability to sort of like stand out on a page is fantastic one of my other favorite things about this as well the fact that the boundaries that the characters are drawn within like i always love like the boxes are so ornately sort of like um imbued with these other beautiful designs like the sort of the general compositions of the of the pages the the large spreads all of the all of the the value work with the the use of black and and white sort of in such beautiful negative space sometimes too uh this is this is artwork drawn by someone who has honed their skill to such a specific degree and i think that it is just like it's like eating really good gourmet food like all the time it's not it's not it's not to say that like it's just um that's just something that you just eat and swallow. Like you savor every single bit of it. You savor every bite. You savor every taste. You savor every turn of the page. And I think that if someone is looking for something to be whisked away by, especially now as everyone is going through so many different types of things, especially these days, I think that this is a beautiful thing to read. And I think that it's one of these things which actively can kind of like give back to you in a way that can actively kind of help benefit you. It can it can help you feel as if you are falling in love with magic for the first time as a child oh, yourself. I think wow. it's really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, it's I can only like confirm what he, what he just said. It's uh it's so it's it's so strange that I I'm going to say something strange but it feels strange that this is a uh, you know um a manga that happens in a pre-publication format because there's so much care reflection and um and research and references in the panels and stuff that you cannot you, you cannot find this elsewhere you know it has like you know one of the panels with the with the the the, the lady that we just saw that 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 mm. that um, has a pointy hat with the the wings Sometimes it it feels to me that it has a level of care in design that we find in something like the From Software games, 
you know absolutely yeah it's a kind of sense this kind of fragility and sensibility at the same time it's um also we should mention that it's a story about um about children like four uh, like, yes. uh pre-teenage or teenage girls if i remember correctly yeah i think and we'd all probably of... all be about 12 to 13 maybe yeah. something like that and all of them are very different have very different personalities and that's so also refreshing to see a manga about kids that are um real people and not just uh yes. you know easy uh easy, i don't know easy cliche kids i would say mm. and so yeah it it works very very well and um well yeah maybe you maybe you should read it well you definitely should read it basically but uh yeah i'm definitely uh, gonna read this yeah that's, I, uh, I have a question hmm? um I, hmm? I have a question about the age appropriateness of it like because like you said it's published in a seinen uh, magazine hmm. right so hmm? like what what age would you recommend it for like what age like teenage basically what i'm getting it uh, yeah teenage. Yeah, teenage. I would say. Yeah, around, I, I would. Yeah. yeah, I'd say. I'd say around like teenage age. I'd say probably from about like maybe fourteen, fifteen ish, maybe thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, uh, okay. kind of and up. I think. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't think that. Yeah, I, I don't think that it gets into any territory that that would be too, I guess, unwieldy for someone of those ages. However, it would depend on the actual, I guess, person. But like oh, overall, course, yeah. I would say that it's definitely something which is um, I'd say it's definitely something which is, which is worth a read. I, I think that it's got a lot to say with respect to its characterization and also mm -hmm. the ways in which it posits, you know, the struggles that some of the characters go through. I think that it could be quite. I guess refreshing for people to read in in many aspects as well. I definitely mm -hmm. did enjoy it myself, and when I first started reading it, I was definitely wasn't thirteen or fourteen, but uh, I definitely did did connect with these characters quite a bit. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You can. I think it's a it's actually a good one for teenagers because you each character is very unique, and they are you know learning magic and stuff and uh, the way it's done or magic is done by drawing stuff and combining signs and stuff like that it's very refreshing and it's also very accessible like none of the the, the characters is born with magic powers you know it's not like exclusive club harry yeah, potter yeah. style it's way more i think it's way more humanistic and way more kind than many other stories that are on the same topic like absolutely um, yeah, I, I love the kindness of this. Uh, it's cruel. Mm. On it, a lot of cruel things happens because the the world is a cruel place, and there are kids, you know. But the the kindness inside it, in the drawings, in the even if the in the in the drawings, I think there's something sweet, something kind. That's really what I, why I love reading it. Absolutely, so, yeah. I, I would I would like to sort of just touch on that just very briefly. Um, just obviously, as we as we know, like uh, one of the foremost uh, fiction writers, especially with respect to children's works, Ursula K. Le Guin of uh, Ursi and uh, numerous other like wonderful oh, works. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah, she 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 spoke about like of course as we know like Harry Potter like a, a long time ago, and um, just to sort of like just touch on the kindness idea, someone asked um, her. They said that. Um, 
yeah, like Rowling can type, but like, but the Queen can write. What do you make of this comment in light of pho- the phenomenal success of the Potter books? I'd like to hear your opinion of J.K. Rowling's writing style. And then she said, I have no great opinion of it. When so many adult <laughs> critics were carrying on about the incredible originality of the first Harry Potter book, I read it to find out what the fuss was about and remained somewhat puzzled. It seemed a lively kid's fantasy crossed with a school novel. Good fair for its age group, but stylistically ordinary, imaginatively derivative, and ethically rather mean-spirited. And like that's something which is quite true. I think that there is something that's very specific about like the ways in which that people write like children's stories that can sometimes come across as quite mean-spirited across different mm. avenues of life. And yeah, this it's for kids. Don't put an effort. That. You know, it's for kids. You they, they won't see yeah. if you won't put an effort. And I really don't like that. I agree with you, AJ, on this. It's not because it's for kids that you have to serve them dumb stuff. You know, just like Richmond yeah. explained with um, Roboco. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, I think that just looking at it and being able to sort of like have those complex conversations through the through this medium mm. through a children's book at the same time but also not have it be sort of like mean-spirited in such a specific way like that is a very specific skill set that not many writers possess and i think that when looking at like witch hat atelier i've always felt that warmth within it at its core i've always felt that the story was never meant to be and is not meant to be something which kind of posits you know people as as the as the other despite you know the sort of clear classifications of like witch and non-witch sort of like within the story Mm -hmm. i I think Mm -hmm. it's really interesting that so much of the time in 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 stories when we speak about magic when we speak about you know magical bloodlines per se or all of these things that exist within rpg fiction i think that it can be such a specific shame and such a specific um creation of other shames that, that people do that so often that they so often sort of have to posit someone as kind of like less than because they might not have the the magic blood or like the or the or the lineage of the all-seeing yeah. like eye or whatever do you, do you know what i mean like, there's so many different yeah. ways that that's been done before and i think that it's just really cool to see a story tackle this in a way that's just so matter of fact and it doesn't sort of like negatively inflict this character's perception of herself in so much as that like she isn't like permanently in a way scarred by or like or marked as this sort of like non-magical girl in a sense like Mm. she does obviously get to learn and see how it how it works but at the same time like they don't have like a name for like non-magic users like muggles for example like it's not like they're not actively sort of like sort of class stratifying Mm -hmm. like the ways in which people move throughout the world based upon their relation to magic in such a sense as as was in harry potter for example so Mm -hmm. i think that's just a really important thing to to touch on there the sort of the the empathy of magical world and and the the empathy Mm -hmm. of building magical world is very important for for prospective writers to consider definitely and, and it's even more interesting in the fact that the, the role of magic and magic users and the power they have among other ordinary people in the series is also discussed and there's also mm-hmm, interesting definitely. conversations with kids about what is power and how to use it and why no one not everyone has it in the last chapters there's a very interesting thing about how uh, about um, healing people and how sometimes uh, you can do more harm in the whole world by trying to do the good things and stuff like yeah. that. So yeah, it's way more responsible in a way, in Very the way so. it treats magic and class and uh, and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, so and it's beautiful. So. so yeah, that's that's it, one of the series where I see the art style in on paper 
and I heard and hear, oh, they're going to adapt it in anime. And I'm like, it's never going to work visually. Yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> <know>? <laughs> it's impossible. There's, there's so much there. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Just, just to sort of want one more thing, it just reminds me of like the ways in which I, I've started um, training really quite... I'm starting to train like frequently again with respect to my own martial arts taekwondo and like just like I've been helping out some of the kids at training most recently quite literally just a couple of days ago and just like I was doing some sparring with them and I was just showing them and taking them through some of the the more fundamental and root basics of throwing some kicks and punches and how it is that they work and stuff and I just it just sort of like dawned upon me once again that like these are and can be you know weapons in in many people's hands but also they can be a means of like defending ourselves and protecting other people and i think that like there's a certain responsibility that comes with you know i guess bequeathing the tools with which someone can have to cause harm to someone else you know what i mean like, when you're teaching someone how to do something you must sort of like show them very specifically what something is and is not for and i think that just the ways in which that they treat magic in this it just so much reminds me of the martial artist life that I I've led the, the ways in which that I've been taught, the ways that I've taught other people and shown them what to do, the ways in which I've both made mistakes and learned from them and have also done like the right thing at other times too. I think that it really sort of specifically touches upon like the learning and the honing of a craft. And I think, you know, funnily enough, right, like a story about drawing magic can be created so beautifully throughout the honing of, you know, her own craft in her own artwork in real life. I think that that's just such an interesting sort of like allegory there because as we all, you know, know the, the acquisition of skill does not come without sacrifice, but it also does not come without passion, wonder or enjoyment consistency the fulfillment of like positive aspiration and i think that you know looking at art kind of like as a means of magic creation is one thing but i think that one of the most magical things about art is the honing of a craft the ability to get better at a thing despite being bad at it at one point you know i think that it's really quite cool to think about it just in terms of that very specific sentiment itself it's, it's a really beautiful story and i think i think that as so many people may not have heard of it i think that i think that they should really just check it out it, it's a it's a story that will definitely definitely show you the uh, the varying different beauties of, of art and magic yeah Ooh, i will uh, definitely check it out <clears throat> I'm, I'm i'm gonna recommend it to my my sister too she can give it a read and then uh, see if it's appropriate for uh, her daughter my, my, yeah. my niece she's always looking for good uh, comics yeah. recommendations if That's I can awesome. add something on this as someone who used to sell comics and, you know, it's always a thin line for teenagers because there are this age where they could read things for adults, except maybe, you know, don't give fire punch to a 12 year old. You know? <laughs> yeah, probably not. But, yeah. but you, you, you can probably read WeChat Atelier and think, oh, this is maybe a bit cruel, a bit hard, stuff like that. But I think it's the kind of stories that is very formative for for teenagers, and uh, and very sane actually to 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 give to a teenager. But maybe talk about what what happens in the in the comics with the kid that is uh, the teenager that is reading it, because yeah, may, probably kids and teenagers now have seen you know other things and stuff like that. Like, but. If you want to be careful and stuff like that, I think at 13, 14, they can read it and just talk about it with them. And mm -hmm. like that's mm -hmm. a, like I said, it's a very compassionate, empathetic, empathic manga. So and stories.
So, and it, it has this kind of, uh, you know, you, you read it, and I think as a teenager, if I had read it, I would have been thinking, oh, I wish that was me. <laughs> you know? So it's very, it, you, you kind of want to be it. And at the same time, you know, it's not, uh, it's not all roses and, uh, and stuff. So, yeah, I think you can definitely give it to a teenager, but just depending on the sensibility, you might want to be there for them when they are reading it. Mm. <laughs> right. I think that's a good. Uh, that was a long one. That's what went on. Yeah. 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 The conclusion was buy, com buy comics and yeah. offer them to your friends. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Gift. yeah. yeah. As I, you, know, you know, here on the Art Eater podcast, we, we always finish in like 10 minutes, don't we? About 15 right. minutes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. These are very short, snappy podcasts. We're well known. Definitely. For, for Definitely. <laughs> Yeah. Co comics are actually my uh, one of my go-to gifts. Actually, I, I I didn't know it was a thing in France. I think that's so cool. Oh yeah, that's definitely wow. a thing in France. Yeah, definitely yeah. like basic stuff. <laughs> All right, uh, let's uh, wrap things up then. Okay. Nice. Um, yeah, that was a fun one. You know, like th this was pretty impromptu. I think we, we kind of changed the uh, subject last minute, but um, you know, I, I think we always do well with the real casual. Uh, podcasts um yep yeah that, 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 was, that was really fun that was fun okay so uh we should, we should plan comics and yeah. we, we should plan things and ring them every time because that's when we are the best <laughs> like we pick I, I a subject we and we more. never do it you know yeah hmm. well we yeah, could always sorry. i i love talking <laughs> comics uh, this is this is our technically our second time no no third time talking comics we did berserk i did a impromptu mm -hmm. don to don one yeah let's keep doing comics yeah clearly yeah, we, we'll we, we, we have a great love for them yeah 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 we'll do some more. okay okay all right so uh let's do the outro okay so so uh yeah to our listeners thank you for hanging out with us thanks if you made it uh, all the way to the end of this uh, very long podcast um yeah, so uh, if you would like to follow the podcast um, and keep up with the updates, you can follow us on Twitter at Art Eater Podcast. That's A-R-T-E-A-T-E-R uh, Podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, just just uh, keep an eye out for, um, you know, whenever we post new stuff, you can also send us a line, let us know how we're doing, give us recommendations on stuff to talk about. And uh, if you want to catch up on the old podcast, you go to, you can go to arteater.com. That's A-R-T-E-A-T-E-R.com. Uh, click on the podcast section. Everything we've ever recorded is up there. And, of course, we also do a lot of articles. Um, you can you know, uh, click through all the stuff we've written. Um, yeah, and then I'm, I'm your host, Richmond. Um, I'm always on Twitter. You can follow me at R-I-C-H-M-O-N-D underscore L-E-E. That's Richmond Lee. Um, yeah, just shoot me a line. Uh, you know, I love chatting about art and comics and just fun stuff. Um, and, uh, oh, we have a Patreon that I, we always Let's forget to plug. Out. <laughs> yes. Uh, we have a Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash art eater OG. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really basic, you know, uh, ba basically just go on there. If you enjoy our podcast, our website, our tweets, um, yeah, uh, feel free to uh, support us on Patreon. Um, it does cost money to uh, host, um, you know, the the podcast. So you know, it'd be great if we could just break even on this. Um, have fun hanging out with you guys every week. 
uh, these yeah. the podcast is essentially just how we talk normally. <laughs> like the the, the the reason we did the podcast was like, hey, we just talk about this stuff all the time, anyways. <laughs> like, let's it's let's just record it, right? Let's just set a date and meet and talk and record. Um, so yeah, I, I always have fun hanging hanging out with you guys every week. Um, so yeah, really really glad to be doing this. And uh, oh, one more thing. Um, I do make video games for a living. Uh, so right now I'm working on uh, two games at my company, uh, BitEgg. Uh, one of them is called Zecha Tactics. That's Z-E-C-H-A, like Mecca, but with a Z, Zecha Tactics. Um, so you can go to zechatactics.com and, uh, you know, check out our game. You can also follow us um, on Twitter at Zecha Tactics. Again, that's Z-E-C-H-A, uh, Tactics. Uh, it's a mecha strategy game uh, inspired by you know 80s and 90s uh, mecha OVAs, cell shaded graphics, really fun turn based uh, gameplay, and uh, amazing mecha designs by uh, Shinya Mizuno. Um, and and we have some other really cool stuff we haven't announced yet. But uh, yeah, our team is uh, working hard on that. And um, we have another game called uh, Lost and Found Co. And uh, you can follow that on Twitter at underscore. Lost and Found, uh, L-O-S-T-A-N-D-F-O-U-N-D-C-O, Lost and Found Co. Uh, it's a uh, Where's uh, Waldo, uh, Where's Wally, if you're from the UK, Where's Wally style um, uh, hidden object game. Uh, it's full of, you know, just you explore these worlds full of like, you know, dozens of uh, unique characters doing fun stuff, super cute, great characters. Uh, we even have a story. You know that we're writing for it. Uh, we we've been posting comics um, on on the Twitter as well, uh, and the the team behind it is so passionate. They, yeah, people are even doing like fan art of the characters on their free time. Um, a lot of passions going into that game. So yeah, that's that's what I'm up to. Um, so fellas, let let our listeners know uh, what you're up to and how they can follow along. Hey, I'm Sean. Uh, edit the podcast usually here. Uh, so. Um, I've been kind of diving into a couple of different things. Um, yeah, you know, go, think goals that I have for, for this year, as I've mentioned before, uh, I'm writing a book. I want to release that this year, but that's not what I'm going to talk about now. I've also been, uh, doing mentoring on adplists.org. So I've also mentioned that before. You can just search for my name on adplists.org or go to adplists.org backslash mentors backslash Sean Borsky. Um, Another thing I'm, I'm starting to mess around with, it's more of just like a momentum thing. I, I want to get to eventually doing like some video essays this year. Um, mm. But for now, um, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm researching and working on a couple of them, but to kind of get uh, my feet under me, I also just trying to do like some streaming, just like whatever. So, um, but I, I, I kind of decided that I wanted to, you know, try to make the, the con like try to learn how to do commentary a bit and comment a bit on like, how the game is built, kind of like what we talk about here, more on the mechanics and the art and stuff like that, um, and also like kind of focus on maybe like lesser known games. So uh, as of currently, uh, I am basically streaming, and in stream and by streaming I mean like I'm recording it in YouTube episodes because I don't want to do it live. Um, but I am uh, recording my playthrough of a game that just came out, Redemption Reapers. Uh, it's by a small Japanese studio um, called uh, Ad Globe, published by uh, Binary Haze. It's like a dark fantasy tactics. So on my I'm on my list, I'm gonna be playing through like uh, either older games or indie games more often than not. I am probably gonna finish out like a first time Halo playthrough at some point, but just because mm -hmm. I've I've never actually played the original Halo, and I feel like I probably should. And a lot of the Halo community said it's fun to watch people uh, 
blind play through Halo for the first time. So I'm doing that. But the ones I'm focusing on is I'm really trying to uh, basically record my entire playthrough of Redemption Reapers. Uh, I've started playing through Enslaved Odyssey to the West, which was recommended by AJ. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I'm not done with it yet, but I'm about halfway through. So I'm going to tr- try to finish that one. And then the other game that I have on my list, just to mention, is actually a, an indie game as well from uh, a studio from a content creator uh, called Bellular. He's he's more well-known for like doing Warcraft content, but similar to like uh, Video Game Donkey, he's he's going into video game publishing on his own. So his, his uh, I guess it's a studio or, I don't know, maybe he's just the publisher, but either way, he, he they released a, a kind of a cool looking hand-drawn isometric like adventure game called the pale beyond uh that i'm also gonna stream my playthrough of so that's on my list uh it's also on stale on, on stale wow uh on sale on <laughs> epic games right now for uh not, not a ton but it's like a, about 10 percent off right now but um it's it's like hand-drawn really nice looking game uh more like strategy as well but like i said that, that's gonna be kind of a thing so check me out on that's on youtube uh, i'm not like big enough to have my own link but uh just search for Daborsk plays games um and of course you can follow me on twitter at Daborsk d-a-b-o-r-s-k okay so i suppose it's my turn i don't have anything to plug like nothing so i'm just going to say uh, to represent my uh my guy um, James, who's not here today. So uh, if you like uh, n- ninjas, Street Fighter Alpha, mm-hmm. and uh, drawings, go to Biffy underscore Kunoichi uh, on Twitter and uh, subscribe to his Patreon because uh, that's the that's the thing you how to do. But subscribe to the Patreon of uh, Artita before and after that you go to Biffy Kunoichi. <laughs> You're not crazy. So yeah, please uh, please follow all the good stuff. Uh, those other people here are doing and uh, when I have something interesting to plug I'll plug it uh, in uh, at the right time uh, you're a good friend <laughs> <laughs> indeed okay AG your turn yo what's up everybody it is your favorite it's Adam Mattis out here so I've had a really good time on this podcast and like gosh this is so much fun I just, uh, I'm really glad that we've been able to talk about manga and things which we like and stuff. And, oh man, just always feels good sharing all that good stuff. But yeah, it's always great to be back here with the crew. And yeah, so you can follow me over here on Twitter. It is um, AJ Mattis. I love to share and retweet all kinds of cool art and great projects that I see. If anyone wants and or needs any pictures that related work and or help, I, I'm active at the moment, so please do get in touch with your favorite game, level designer, pixelized, and international taekwondo fighter. Yeah, if you liked anything that I had to say, do drop me a follow so you can hear some more. And yeah, honestly, like this was a radical episode. I'm really, really glad that we were able to sort of like switch tact and then just like do it on the fly, as always, anyway. But yeah, went super well. And everybody, if you enjoyed anything, do keep your eyes on the prize. Do keep up with our Art Eater on Twitter as well. I think the account is, what is it? Art, it's the Art Eater podcast, I believe. But yeah, like definitely check us out. And everybody stay safe, take care, and see you next time. Goodbye. Peace out. Outro music, outro music, outro music. Tell them what's up. <laughs>